Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. There's only a couple guys in the whole world that make me love pro wrestling, and you're one of them. You know all the bad shit you've heard about us? It's all true. But another thing that's true is we love professional wrestling, and that's why we're here. I'm not sports entertainment anymore. Talk to him, kid. This is a new beginning, and it starts tonight! A new day is dawning for DX. Well, who you're talking to? Hello there, Xbox 12360 fans. Thank you for coming to hang out with us on AfterBuzz TV. We're coming at you with a brand new episode. We have got Shane the Hurricane Helms on today. He'll be joining us a little later, but the gang's all here. My name is Christy Olson. We have Jimbo sitting on the couch. Hey, Hi. what's up? Hi, Christy. How are you? You look lovely. Oh, why, thank you. Why, thank you. Now, let's see what compliments Mark B. Donica has in the booth. Hey, Mark. Christy, your voice is sounding crisp. That's Thanks the best I got. You. He already took beautiful. I love it. I love it. Well, now we will shower this man with compliments because that's why we're here. Introducing the one and only Sean X Pog Waltman. Happy Thanksgiving Eve, everyone. Thank yes. you. And to you as well. Yeah. I, yeah I need that introduction from you every single week to boost my ego, you know, boost my self confidence because I walk in here just. Feeling terrible about myself. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. I'm just kidding. I can follow you around everywhere and do that, you know? That would be nice. You get to go a lot of cool places, yeah. so yeah. I'm down. Like this weekend, I was in uh, New Orleans, and I performed at Bell Chase Naval Base oh, for oh, Wildcat Sports. Great. Yeah. Oh, uh, Luke Hawks. Luke Hawks, yes. Yeah. yeah, I've known him since he was Alter Boy Luke in XPW. Wow. Yeah. That's right. Oh man, I'm sure he hates when people reference. That. <laughs> no, I don't. You know, I don't know. I never really asked him about it, but I mean, he's a really good guy. Oh yeah, super, super good guy. You worked together in WSX too, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we never had match there no. or anything, but uh, we had a singles match one time in uh, Kissimmee, Florida, on one of those Dave Marquez lucha shows. Oh, okay. you know, I was like the main uh, American Draw. star. Well, it was myself. Um, then we had Blue Demon, um, some other Lucha guys, and they were passing Rey Mysterio Sr. off as, you know, trying to get the, the you know, <laughs> maybe somebody will think it's Rey Mysterio Jr., that type of thing. That's awesome. So, yeah, so I worked with Luke there, and uh, so we had a match. Is it cool to see how far he's come from XPW? Oh, yeah, but, oh, he's probably not going to like me saying this. The match just fell apart. Uh, uh, yeah, Uh-oh. and it wasn't his fault either. And and I'm I'm just glad he didn't get seriously hurt because I mean, right from the get go, um, I do a s- typical spot that I do, and I reversed him into the 
ropes, and something was up with the with the ring at oh. that point in the night. And so when Luke hit the ropes, he fell all the way fucking through him to the floor. Wow. Oh my god! Yeah, I was like, holy shit! <laughs> and I'm like, you know, is somebody gonna check on him? And um, finally, he got back in the ring, and we just picked up where we left off. And then, oh god, I just have to talk <laughs> about it because it was. Uh, oh, it's okay. I feel so okay, bad. so we're guessing it well, all went downhill from up. there. His part, his partner fucked up. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. the crowd notice? Were they chanting? No, because they were a really cap- captive audience. They were, you know, we were on a base, and it was all. And the a- setup was awesome. It was like in the yeah. airplane hangar, that like a huge yeah. jet with a big flag in the background. It looked dope. That's yeah. so it cool. looked so. It was cool. pretty badass. It was a big. Uh, they called it a. It's a Hercules. Uh, Fighter jet? Uh, cargo plane. Oh, oh, wow. You know, they can carry tanks in those fucking planes. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, the, I do my, you know, I make my comeback. I make the hot tag and uh, come in. The guy's not there. <laughs> so Luke has to come in, you know, get in place, you know, uh, for me to make up for the guy not being there. And the guy finally gets up. Give him a spin kick. Uh, uh, get back on Luke and... I'm doing a X Factor, not at the end this time because um, my partner or the his partner is supposed to make the save. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make the fucking save, so the match is over. They don't get the people don't get to see the Bronco Buster. They don't get to see like half of my comeback. Oh, no. <laughs> the other three of your six moves. Yes, the other the other yeah <laughs> half of my. So and you, and you didn't just grab moves. him anyway and attack him. Couldn't. Couldn't I'm covering the I'm covering Luke and oh. you know and nobody and I'm like looking at the I'm even looking at you know his partner in the eye waiting for the save and he's just like I felt bad because I, I know he just felt awful. By working with he, you? That was part of it. Yeah. yeah, and the guy's very talented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh well, it sounds like the fans. I'm not, had a good I'm time not gonna anyway. name his name because he's real talented. And I'm sure he went home and I, I even told him, look, beat yourself up tonight. But don't go to bed with this. Mm-hmm. Get it over with, and tomorrow's another day. And hey, he's just being don't let it fucking happen again. By you on oh, your yeah, show. Oh yeah, so. he's real talented. Yeah. Just yeah, got, I think it was like you said. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of nerves. Yeah, yeah. We're over that here. What are we? Episode fourteen, I think. Oh man, fourteen. Fourteen. Mm. Fourteen was. No, no, Kurt. no. I'm sorry. It's episode thirteen. I remember because I saw that and it made me nervous. Ooh. Unlucky thirteen. Mm. I the tried Hurricane to skip it. Green, number 13. Oh, hey. He's he's coming a little bit later. But first, I want to remind everybody that we are on iTunes and YouTube. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Like, comment, and subscribe. We love to hear what you think about the show. So don't forget to do that. You do not want to miss any of these juicy interviews. We're going to have Bob Holly next week. So hit that subscribe button, and please give us five stars on iTunes. Yeah, I, I was with Bob this weekend. Oh, were you? Oh, yeah, cool. speaking of, the, of that show. I was with Bob Holly. Uh, I was with Al Snow. Oh. Uh, ZZ from Tough Enough was there. Really? Wow. Okay. Still sitting on his ass, not doing shit. Really? <laughs> That's interesting. Really Would nice guy, tough though. Coaches? Really nice yeah. guy. Was um, he wrestling at the show or doing? No, but he was in his gimmick what? and he was sitting in the crowd. So he's trying to. He's, he's trying you know to get he's in trying there? to be around. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out what it was he was trying to accomplish, but mm-hmm. at least he was there. At least he was there. I was thinking maybe he was going to be in, involved in a match or mm-hmm. or something, but no. And did you get a chance to chat with him? Not really. No. 
No. Did he know who you were? Oh, of course. Remember, he yeah, wasn't, no, I'd met him he wasn't a, a wrestling fan originally. Yeah, but that's okay. Uh, I just, I just think he takes things just, you know, it's all a big, it's all big fun and games, and that's he's fine, young. but it's not gonna. Right, he's like twenty. Yeah. Not that that's an excuse, but I think well, it's a Well, it's a good, it's a reason, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But um, anyway, so I was, what I was getting at was Bob, Bob Holly, and Al Snow. You know, these guys are both older than me, but look ten times better than I do. So that's kind of half the reason. You look good, dude. I look a lot better than I did a few months ago, that's for sure. Uh, But Al Snow, I'm not even sure how old Al is. He looks amazing. Unbelievable. And so is Bob. Yeah. Yep. And, and, uh, And Bob and I really got to talking about our dogs. And I he, was telling Christy, I was like, he loves dogs. We'll yes. talk about dogs. Even when I was lining up the interview with him, he's like, oh, uh, I'll be on there, as will my dog, Abby. That's right. So I can't wait oh to hear what Abby has to say. God, is she beautiful. <laughs> Did he have her there or just show no, you pictures? No, but I saw pictures, and, and he is about his dog like I am. Yeah. You know, like I start thinking about certain things and, and just start crying. And t- I'm, I'm not, I don't want to expose Bob, but like, I'll let him do it himself. But hopefully we'll have some video stuff of the dog, too. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I love, love that. Love dogs. We can, yeah. you know, Must love dogs. Can't wait to yeah. talk to him about it. Well, yeah, and a lot of people are going to be getting together with their families, dogs included, for Thanksgiving yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. So and, that's happening. Yeah, and when <laughs> I was a kid, <clears throat> I was talking to you guys earlier about this. When I was a kid, we would have Thanksgiving dinner, and then later on that night would be wrestling. Oh, instead of football, that sounds so nice. You would, it would be live wrestling. <laughs> Not watching on TV, you would go. Every territory oh. every territory had a, a, a Thanksgiving and a Christmas wrestling show. And that was the biggest nights of the year. And it was great. And we loved it. And, um, you know, in 83... No, it was 84. I'm sorry. 1983, I was telling you guys that yeah. I went to, to, Starcade. to Starcade at Eddie Grant. I, I lived in Tampa. And we drove, after Thanksgiving dinner, we drove to Orlando to Eddie Graham Sports Arena. They had a closed circuit. You know, they had a big movie screen set up and a closed circuit uh, broadcast. of. It wasn't 83 with Harley and And Flair. uh, Flair. It was Dusty versus Flair. Flair, um, it was the million-dollar challenge with Smoking Joe Frazier as the referee. Oh, wow. And, yes, that was the one that we drove... uh, drove to Orlando to watch and uh, it was it was so exciting it didn't even have to be a great show I mean just the whole you know the hype and all that and and that was it was amazing did it make you like look forward to the holidays even more because you knew like oh it's wrestling yeah. like oh we're going You're to damn wrestling. right yes oh, and obviously that's how that's how uh, Survivor Series mm-hmm. ended yeah. up becoming a thing it was that you know trying to keep on Trying to keep that tradition going, you know, on a on a bigger scale, obviously. Mm-hmm. Because thanks, I'm pretty sure. Um, even when I first got there, I'm pretty sure that the Survivor Series was on Thanksgiving night at least a couple of times. I always remember it was like the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Sure, like the day like before when I was a kid. Yeah, and I would be like so stoked to watch. Yeah. Like, oh man. And then so you know, awesome. I, and Christmas was huge for the territories, and and. Um, I know we're skipping ahead, and Thanksgiving's oh. not even done yet. But. Oh, Christmas will be here before we know it. You know, sure. we were talking to Kevin Sullivan the other week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the first big Christmas show I ever went to was called Star Wars 84. And it was in Tampa at the Sundome, same place I won the tag belts with Bob Holly. Wow. 
And <clears throat> full circle, everybody. Yeah. So it was, you know, during the time when uh, Kevin was doing the, you know, Abuda Dean, Satanic, whatever, you know, doing that whole thing and big feud with Dusty. And so the main event that night was, first of all, there was two main events, Billy Jack who was huge in Florida. I mean, huge. Billy Jack Haynes? Yes, okay. right on, only second to Dusty Rhodes. Really? Yeah, an overall popularity that I've ever seen in Florida. That's... And he was a huge, he was, an, he was my idol and when I was a kid. he's Oregon, right? Yes. So, oh. he, was a, he was so good to me. That's, uh, I could tell you stories about how good that guy was to me. It's really sad for me to see the shape he's in now, you know, mm-hmm. mentally and physically. Um, but, so that was, the, it was, Billy Jack versus Flair, and the the big the big one was Kevin Sullivan and Buzz Sawyer versus Dusty Rhodes and Andre the Giant. It was wow. great. Yeah, it was great. It was amazing. Oh man. Yeah. You were there live. For I that? was there. Oh, yeah. Oh man, that's yep. so awesome. I can just tell by the smile when you say it that that's such a great memory. How crazy is it to then work with these people from like seeing them in the crowd? Seriously. I don't even know how to describe how crazy would it be for you. I'm living it right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Here we sit. We're looking right Here, at yeah, you. Yeah, we're looking right at you, brother. Well, okay. Let me just give you one example. When we had at Slambury 897, mm-hmm. it was... Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, myself versus Ric Flair. Roddy Piper and Kevin Green in Charlotte, and Ric Flair was just coming back after almost a year out with a shoulder injury. And I'm in the ring, and I start with Flair, and the place is going ape shit. How fucking do you think I felt? I mean, I had goosebumps on... You can see in the beginning, right before we lock up, and he goes, woo, and the place goes fucking bonkers. You can see me look at him and point to my, point to my wrist like this, pointing at the goosebumps, and uh, it was just amazing. That's so. Yeah, you know, been in, you know being in there with Hulkster. I never got to be in there with Dusty. Mm. Would have loved that. It was, it was just just to have worked with these guys. Live mm-hmm. my dream. Come on, if I die today. <laughs> Not going to, pretty sure. Knock on, knock on wood yeah, somewhere. I mean, really, come on. The greatest life ever. I've had it. In spite of all the bad shit, I've had the greatest fucking life of all time. Sorry. Oh, my That's God, amazing. I love Sorry that. Sorry for everybody Sorry. else's life. Mine is fucking the best. That's the perfect Thanksgiving <laughs> message yes. for our fans. That's so good. Feel and you, warm and nice and Yeah, safe. right? We're all fuzzy. And you mentioned Survivor Series there. So on that note, let's roll into our Xbox 12360 News of the Week. Break it down. Xbox 12360 Wrestling News. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Well, everybody on Twitter wanted to ask you your thoughts on Survivor Series, so we definitely want to hear that. But we'll start with a little bit of an update. Brock Lesnar and Goldberg have now both been signed to appear at the Royal Rumble. So you're going to get a rematch from that very short 90-second match that went down at Survivor Series. Just a few days ago, uh, Goldberg signed an inked deal, a big money deal, to appear, and then Brock Lesnar followed soon after and uh, Goldberg was on Raw saying that he would be entering the Royal Rumble and he had said before you know 
Brock is going to be next and he's going to be last. And now Goldberg is saying everyone is next. So he's opening himself up for not just a return at the Royal Rumble, but possibly at WrestleMania as well. And he reportedly has signed a deal where he's getting a lot of money for every appearance and he is willing to wrestle for that amount of money as many times as Vince is willing to use him and pay him that much. Good for him. Right? Good for everyone. And just to get right to the point about, uh, you know, people, what do they think? Mm-hmm. Or what do I think of, what's my, what are my thoughts? Easy for me to say, right? <laughs> okay, let me try that again. My thoughts on the whole uh, Brock Goldberg match. Mm-hmm. It's exactly how I'd have done it, all things considered. Really? Yes. Yeah. Actually, personally, I would have had Brock get just a tad bit of steam on him in the beginning. In the beginning, right? But yeah. That's, I'm just splitting hairs. Mm-hmm. I've had, I had some people uh, complain about it to me, and I just get over it. It was. The right thing to do. Mm-hmm. The people in the building loved it. Uh, those of you that didn't, I, I just, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Like it's, it's called, you know, building, building for a future storyline. Mm-hmm. And it was, and the smart, the smart thing about how they did that. And I, and you know, I, I'm pretty sure we talked about this match, you know, leading up to it. And yes. I said, you know, this. It's a great match on paper, you know. It's very intriguing, but the styles might be a, yeah. you know, you were an wondering issue. who the ragdoll. Yeah, who's going to be the one getting thrown around? Mm-hmm. No one. Well, <laughs> we found out pretty quickly. <laughs> Brock. So, and and here's the thing is, is if they would have tried to have a longer match, mm-hmm. you know, that first one out of the gate for for uh, Goldberg, and something went wrong, it would have exposed things, and it would have. Killed any chance for a rematch yeah. in return business. Well, a lot of fans are wondering, and I'm sure they want to hear your opinion on this, is Brock Lesnar doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would easily agree to something like this. Doesn't exactly make him look super strong. You would think that. Yeah. But, you know, you know, people make assumptions sometimes that are completely Wrestling fucking fans, wrong. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just in life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Look, there's a price for everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Brock, hey, it's fake when you win, it's fake when you lose. You know? Although when people would ask me back in the day, hey, hey, is that shit real? And I'd go, it's real when I win, it's fake when I lose. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, come on. You know, we're, we're, enter- we're, we're providing entertainment and fantasy for mm-hmm. people. Brock knows that. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure everybody thinks Brock's still just as tough. They probably do. Yeah. They do. They were also wondering, was like, oh, is he being punished for the whole failing the tests at Come UFC on. and that makes them look bad? And that. No, no, no even it's get, about telling the listen, story, right? For those of you asking that question, no one gives two shits about that old failed drug test. Really? Like, I mean, I'm not, I shouldn't say no one, but pretty much no one. Mm hmm. Pretty much. They care more about making money and telling yes. a story and maybe yeah. maybe getting to that WrestleMania rematch at Mania 33. They will. It'll happen, right? Sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, too. Well, moving on to some former WWE stars. 
who are feuding uh, in interviews and online. This is so interesting. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this, Sean. So Jake Roberts appeared on Primo Nutmeg um, and did a little interview, and he called the Honky Tonk Man a real piece of shit. He said working with a honky-tonk man at the time was okay, but since then he's become a real piece of BOS. He's trying to buy people's names and own them, Jake said. And if you try to use your name, you would have to pay him. He said that the honky-tonk man took the Patriots name, and he also did that with Jim Duggan. So he even tried to take Jake the Snake's name, Jake claims. And he said, I hate to be the honky-tonk man when Jim Duggan gets a hold of him. It's not going to be pretty. And uh, the honky-tonk man did not let these comments go unnoticed. He tweeted at a fan who asked him why he never went through with buying Jake Roberts' name. And honky-tonk man said, I decided not to trademark his name since I thought he would not live much longer. Investment would not be worth it. Ouch. Wow. Yeah. Ouch. Wow, that was a good one. <laughs> I, mean, oh my God. I mean, I mean, you know, honky's he's honky tonk man's honky tonk man. I used to, I used to sit and think, what a fucking asshole. You know, oh, he's so bitter. He's always talking shit about people, and like, you know, and then he kind of, you know, he kind of uh, eased up a little bit, lightened up, and you know, I even had him on my show when I did a, I did a show uh, from Cowhead TV several years back. And uh, and we talked about it, and I told my man, I'm like, you know, Wayne, I really thought you were a fucking asshole, you know? And What did he say? He, he was like, yeah, I can <laughs> understand that. And I mean, he knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't, it's not illegal what he's doing here. It's you know? business, it's, right? But it's really it's morally wrong to <laughs> yeah. me. It just, it's something that I would be like. You know, if I was buying something like that, I would be buying it so nobody else did, so I could give it to the guy. It makes me think of when uh, Paul McCartney told Michael Jackson, like, royalties on music are the best things to own, and then Michael Jackson bought all the royalties to all the Beatles songs. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that kind of thing. Yeah, but how much money is he going to make? Excuse me. How much money is he going to make off of the Patriot owning that? And that's the second time it sold, because Del Wilkes sold it to Salvatore Sincere. Yo, Tom Brady? Uh, yeah. Or not Tom Brady, Tom Brandy. Patriots <laughs> <laughs> on the brain. I know Honky Tonk Man tried to buy Roddy Piper's name, but he was grandfathered in because he used it so long. Well, that would be anyone, really. Yeah, well, like, why doesn't that work for Jim Duggan, then? It does. It does I, if it ever went to court, Honky uh, would lose. It's just like what Gangrel was talking about. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know. So then, like, why... Why are they up in arms? Is it just like he's just trying to It's just a dick? piece of shit fucking thing to do. <laughs> That's all. Is that like screw up like But we're, re- we're talking about the wrestling business here. How can anybody be surprised at somebody doing something that, you know, something you would think Shady a piece business. of shit would do? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, imagine that. Oh, well, we'd love to get a, a third-party perspective. Thank you for that, Sean. And moving on to someone who could possibly be coming to the WWE. This is an update on the one and only Conor McGregor, whose agent was on an ESPN podcast last night, and he was asked about Conor possibly coming to WWE. There's been lots of buzz about it. Conor's kind of created some heat. 
for himself on purpose, and you know, a lot of fans would love to see this. And so his agent Audi Attar said, It's all about business. If WWE is gonna come with an offer, we are willing to entertain it. Have their people call his people, which is me. And he added that there has not been any offer yet, but you know, they're willing to entertain it. And he did do give Triple H some compliments as well. So he doesn't have a lot, he doesn't have a lot of compliments to dish out for people in the wrestling industry, but he and he likes to use the, the, the term Don. He's like, there's some Dons in the wrestling Vince McMahon's a Don. Triple H is a Don. and But then he'll like bury some other shit. Because he, he's not really, he don't understand a lot of the storyline shit going on. You know, like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. You know, and I get that. You know, you used to watch back when, you know, the plot lines and the stories and angles were a little bit more, you know. Mm-hmm. How do I say it? Somebody help me or out here. More juicy. Or, you know, just <laughs> is that too Hollywood? ever word? I guess man, I don't know, manly, manly enough for him. I don't oh. know. I don't know. I'm searching for a word here. And Maybe when it was more like testosterone. Easy to read. Good guy. Bad guy. I don't know. Anyway, Connor's a businessman. He's a mm-hmm. he's the man. He's fucking great. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I'm a big. I'm a huge uh, Diaz Brothers fan, and I was totally rooting for Nate to uh, win that fight. But it doesn't mean I'm not a huge Conor McGregor fan. Well, you know, everyone's giving Conor McGregor credit for this whole billionaire walk thing, and now, like, Shaq is doing it, a bunch of people are recreating it, it's become, like, a viral thing. But that was, he's, he's imitating Vince McMahon. Yeah. And he's the wrestling, wrestling fans realize that. Yeah. And the, Vince, that's just how he really walks. <laughs> Legit, that's how he walks. Like a billionaire, yo. Let's deal with the hips. That's a different story. So, so uh, it's see, true. It's true. I though. see him popping up at WrestleMania like Ronda Rousey did, and like being in the crowd, uh, and maybe like hopping sure. the guardrail and like punching somebody, yeah. or mm-hmm. like maybe if they really want to push Sheamus. Hey, look. Here's the thing, too. He wasn't he wasn't afraid to entertain um, the thought of fighting uh, Floyd Mayweather. So wow. I. I can't imagine him being afraid to entertain the thought of having a wrestling match. I seen him roll. I seen him rolling around with that big dude f- Mountain from uh, from Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, oh. you know the big fucker. Yeah, yeah. He um, he was toying on the mat with them, and you know he was bringing it to him. Yeah. So he's, he's not. A, I mean, you know, he's he's not afraid to get hurt. He's not one of those guys. Oh, I don't want to get hurt. Like. Right. Uh, we worked at the House of Hardcore show where yeah. King Mo wrestled. Oh yeah, yeah. How, like he was an MMA guy, and I remember being in the back and watching him like go over stuff and like legit in like Chris Masters like I'll put you in the master lock. Like how would you get out of this? And he was just like, boom, this is how I get and like rolled him into something. Oh. I was just like, man, like these guys could just turn it on. Like like yeah, we could pl-, like Matt Riddle. Like yeah, we could play around and I could wrestle, but like I could just turn it on and we could go. Mm-hmm. Like, which. Yeah, I just I, I see it happening. Why not? It's money. Right. We gotta get Matt Riddle on here. Oh yeah, you know, right, he's list. my he's my number one draft pick of anyone on the independent scene right now. He just did a high spots DVD that looks hilarious, an officer and a gentleman, where he talks about how he would fight animals. Bears. Oh, you keep talking Komodo about that. Dra- it must be good. Dude, it's so funny. <laughs> they just put the trailer up. It is so funny. Moving on. Well, we we <laughs> shall check it out and. Finishing off today, we have an update on an injury. You all remember... 
Following the brand split, Shelton Benjamin was supposed to return to WWE and be on SmackDown Live. After leaving WWE in 2010, and he's had quite a career since then in Ring of Honor and New Japan, but fans were disappointed when that return to WWE was put on hold because he had to undergo shoulder surgery. So he's been quietly rehabbing since August and has now tweeted and given everyone kind of an update. He said, for the record, I will make moves to return to WWE when I am back to 110% physically, anywhere from four to six months by my doc calculation. So that would mean he probably won't be ready by WrestleMania. But let's not forget that Money in the Bank is coming up. It's now its own pay-per-view. And, I mean, it would be pretty rude not to put it in Money in the Bank, right? And that was, like, something that everyone thinks he always should have won. And mm-hmm. really, like... He never did win one of those. No, he was he always totally the standout in every one. He was always, like, the highlight yeah. moment running up the ladder and, like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's a good... I was going to say, what does that put him at? Like, SummerSlam? But Money in the Bank's, like, right before SummerSlam. So. Yes. That would be great to bring him back then. Shelton Benjamin is the best athlete, best natural athlete uh, in wrestling, for sure. Oh, really? He's amazing. Unfucking believable. There's not a better athlete in wrestling. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. And I met Shelton and Brock when they first signed. It was at, it was at SummerSlam 90, was it 99? No, 2000. And you know when Jesse Ventura was the was the referee. Okay. It was in Minneapolis, our hometown, and uh, and that's you know uh, Brock and Shelton were both University of Minnesota wrestlers, and so and we all had the same agent and oh, same that's lawyer. Right. I, didn't, I knew that. Yes, and um, so I met both of them before the show, and uh, actually they were. Higher, like I know he was considered the best athlete on the wrestling team. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that wow. was that was the word that I I got. And, you know, they were looking at him actually as the better of of the two. And yeah, I mean, as far as talent, you know, you know, uh, athletic talent, you know, mm-hmm. and that. So, um, just amazing, amazing. The guy, you know, you know, it's. Other people could work all their life as hard as as they possibly could, and and you know, I'm not saying that Shelton didn't work hard because I mean, obviously that comes along with it. But that mm-hmm. natural fucking ability is just amazing. It's unbelievable. All right, enough about Shelton. I can, <laughs> let me get off this tip here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, that wraps up our Xbox 12360 News of the Week. I'm Christy Olson, the managing editor and chief correspondent of AfterBuzz TV's Pro Wrestling Jesus. News Division, and we will be right back with the Hurricane Shane Helms. Stay tuned. What's up, party people? Roxy Stryer here from The Tomorrow Show with Kevin Undergaro. We're your twice-weekly broadcast of One Man's Midlife Crisis and the mad millennials in Star Trek uniforms that follow him. And I'm one of those millennials, Lauren Legrasso here. We've had some amazing guests like Russell Simmons, Ileana Douglas, and Craig Gass. Coolio, right? Christian Blatt in the house to tell you to go to thetomorrowshow.com to check us out. We're live every Monday and Thursday from 10 to midnight Eastern. That's thetomorrowshow.com. Be there, be square, whatever that means. 
And now we have a superhero who has slayed villains from WCW, ECW, Impact Wrestling, and WWE, where he remains the longest reigning cruiserweight champion. He appeared in the ring at age 13 and outside of it has been a stuntman for David Arquette and jammed with Jericho in a Fozzie video. I'm just saying... The Hurricane Shane Helms is here with us today. Hey, Shane. All right. Yeah. Hey, uh, how you guys doing? It's a pretty good intro there. Oh, good, good, good. I'm glad I'm good. Shane, it's, going hey, be, it's going to be hard to top the uh, poem you did for Lanny Poplar. Yeah, that's true. I was going to ask you, Shane, if you if you heard that one. Yeah, yeah, I did. I was very impressed. Hey, man, I got to thank you for coming on. By the way, I have to tell you right off the bat, man. You know, it means. A, world me that you actually take the time we only we only have so much time you know we only have so much time and the fact that you take some of it to watch the show uh, is really cool appreciate it man oh no problem man thank you guys for putting out a good product you know i, I listen to quite a few and the uh not just a, your podcast but i listen to quite a few podcasts and it's kind of hard to do you know to keep them entertaining on a consistent basis you know, I, I did the podcast thing back in 2010. I think me and Cole Cabana were the only ones doing it at yep. the time. And I, honestly, I couldn't handle the schedule. <laughs> because I was working, I was still working a lot back then and just all the different, you know, uh, things I had going on. I couldn't I couldn't keep it up. I had to eventually tap out. Yeah. When Steve Austin called me and asked me for advice on how to do one. Oh, wow. That's actually when I kind of tapped out. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to compete with that. All right. <laughs> I remember, Shane. I remember when you were doing those, and and I would watch. I would watch some of them, and and you're right. Um, this keeping a schedule, a proper schedule, and sticking to it. Wow, what a commitment, man! I mean, it's. I've been. I've been on on most of these weeks. I've been flying in and out, like coast to coast, just to come in and and do these, just to make sure that we stay on a consistent schedule, so the people. You know, it's just like with the wrestling sh- show on TV. You know, if you start skipping around days and that that you put the show out, you know, yeah. it, it, people that you know they, their habits get you know get fucked with. So uh, it's just yeah, not a good like thing. Yeah, people like a routine. They like a routine thing. Yeah. So. so cool. Hey, um, Shane, when you you remember when uh, Matt and Jeff and like Joey Abs and those guys. Uh, what was his name? Jason Arndt? Yeah, Jason Arndt was Joey Ed. Right. Um, when those guys first started coming to uh, WWF TV, um, you know, and I worked, Scott and I worked with Jeff and, and things like that. You remember that that period of time? Yeah, yeah. Were you, were, were you? Right before I, that was right before I met Matt Jeff. That's what I was getting at. I was going to say, were you with those guys yet? And did did was Omega a thing yet? No, it was it wasn't quite a thing yet. I uh, I actually got into business a couple years before them, and uh, they you know they were doing the uh, the backyard trampoline thing. I never right. had the had the honor or luxury of being in the uh, trampoline wrestling federation. Uh, <laughs> I think I would have done well, but you know it's <laughs> the most dangerous type yeah. of wrestling you can do on a trampoline. Honest, I'm uh, I'm, I'm uh, like half kidding and a hundred percent serious at the same time. People get their fucking necks broke on those things. Anyways, go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, they bounce right off the trampoline on the ground, which isn't quite as forgiving as the uh, trampoline was. But, yeah, I think uh, we started crossing paths, you know, maybe 96 or 97 was when I first met Matt and Jeff, and we just kind of hit it off, you know, right away. 
Uh, Omega at that time was a group called New Frontier. Yeah. And that's what, um, and that was their, their, their um, home fed at the time. And, uh, but it was in that time that I met them. So I was with Omega from the very beginning. And the Omega stands for what? For the people that aren't familiar. Organization Modern Extreme Grappling Artists. Nice. We just have to Boom. read Jimbo's there t-shirt that yeah, he's I'm rocking, rocking today. my Omega shirt. Yeah, I was going to tell you, uh, Shane, yeah, uh, Jimbo here has got the Omega shirt on. Yeah, I represent. So. Oh, my Highway to Helm nice. shirt is dirty. <laughs> and he, he's not kidding. He has a Highway to Helm shirt, too. <laughs> oh, very good. Very yeah. good. That's my man. Oh, yeah. So, uh, hey, we have a clip. We have actually had a clip oh, that, yeah. that Jimbo found of, of you doing something. So I some pulled a clip from Omega yeah. when it was... Uh, can, I, can, I, can I guess which one it's going to be? Uh, I'm I pretty sure can. you know. It was <laughs> hard to find it. Jumping on. off the back of an 18-wheeler, killing myself? Bingo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so can we can see that, Mark? What happened. I, can tell you, I can tell you where things went wrong. Um, yeah? Well, like, first of all, like that was a... Uh, that, oh, that shit! Yes. Did you just see it? Yeah, and it's like playing again. <laughs> it's like on a loop. Oh my god, Shane. Anyways, go ahead. Yes, um, so that show is in an armory. Yeah, a grand old armory, as they say, and that was a, a military military transport eighteen wheeler, the, the back one, and they couldn't move it. Right. And so Matt and them didn't find out to that day. So as I'm walking into the to the building, Matt's in the ring with somebody, and they're going over something, and he just goes. Hey, Shane, if uh, we put a table in this ring, you'll jump off that thing on me? And, like, without even moving, without stopping or anything, I just go, yeah, sure thing. And I walk right to the locker room. Oh. And, like, that's how crazy. Like, I was Jeff Hardy back in the day. Right. I just <laughs> up a, a long time ago and said, I need to quit jumping off of shit. Oh, crap. But, um, Did you get hurt on that? When we set that. No, not too bad. You know, when we set the table up, I was on my knees doing the snooker thing. Yeah. You know, like uh, on one knee and had my hands raised. And at that eye line and eyesight level, it looked like it was okay. But then as I stood up, I realized that it was a little too close to the ropes for me to get a good angle on it. Yep. And so when I, if you see when I dive, I kind of have to like, I lift my feet up real uh, tight. My knee, you know, bend my knees real tight because I'm worried about clipping that top rope. And I just hit him with all my quads. And you're the, and, uh, and you're up there. I was pretty jagged at the time too. Yeah. At least one eight seventy. <laughs> did you and even so think about not jumping, Shane? Did you even think about not jumping? No, no. Figured. You know how stupid we are. Once we're committed, yeah. we're committed. Yeah, that's a thing. That and and I was and I know this is a bit higher than the, than that jump, but I was I'm comparing it to the when Shane Shane McMahon jumped off the cage at WrestleMania. And you know, yeah. people are going, "Oh, you gotta be scared." Yeah, but see, to some people, uh, the thought of being booed out of the fucking building uh, for climbing back down and not jumping is way scarier than the actual jump. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, the only thing that I thought about was like maybe I cannonball him, you know. Yeah. But um, I was like, I can probably control this a little bit better jumping this way, but um. You know, like I said, it, when I was on my knees, it was a little different. When I stood up and added a couple more feet of height, feet of no. height, I was going, oh, no. But <laughs> I was, we were committed. Like I said, we were committed. So I was going in. If you'll notice, my partner, my tag team partner, didn't give a shit about me. He just walked over <laughs> and grabbed the belt and, and holds it up. He doesn't check on me at all. Like, me and Matt, we kind of looked up and made eye contact because, you know, Matt went through the table and yeah. we kind of made a little eye contact to make sure we were okay. And I went back to selling, but my partner, who's supposed to have my back, Big Mike, you remember him? He was one of the Dups from ECW. Oh, Mike Dup, yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 
he he just grabs the belt and walks around, steps over my broken body. Don't don't even don't even check to see if I'm okay. Were, Shane, were any of you all trained at that point? Uh, I was actually never like went to any official school period like ever in my entire career. Oh come so, on, Matt nothing. And M, Matt and Nim might have been. They might have already been to the uh, Funkin' Dojo at that point. But, uh, no, I never had been. But you never went, you never, uh, I don't mean to jump around, but you never went, uh, you never went to, uh, to Funkin' Dojo or anything like that? No, no, the only thing Or Dr. That, Tom that or close, anything? No. Where the did the thing, thing with Bagwell happen? When I got hired in WCW, they made us go to the power plant to get uh, evaluated for a couple of days. Okay. But I was already hired at that point, and I went down there for a couple of days, and then they, they you know, sent us home. Wow, that's am- it's amazing to me. Like, de- so how did you end up uh, learning how to wrestle? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was you know you you hear people say that it's all they wanted to do forever, and uh, to me that's kind of a cliche thing for people to say because it's a cool thing to say. But for me, it was literally the first thing I ever remember seeing on TV. Like I don't remember Bugs Bunny or none of that shit. <laughs> I remember watching wrestling with my dad. Yeah, I went to my first live show in 1979. I was five. Um, you know, I remember that, and like I would literally study it. You know, I mean, I would. My dad would buy all the Mark Mags, and I would just I would memorize them. You know, word for word. Uh, when I would get my little G.I. Joe toys, I would throw all the guns away. They yep. would become wrestlers. And I just, yeah. I just had these notebooks and notebooks of these pay-per-views that I made. Yeah. You know, and, Book and in I, your I own. would take unscrewed, <laughs> I would unscrew the backs off of them and put like the big muscle arms on certain ones yeah. and stuff like that. Like I was just a maniac about it. And um, when I was 13 and I like got involved with this independent company and I was just like helping them out, you know, cleaning up and taking down the ring and stuff like that like the second i got in the ring with these guys and these were like you know not backyarders but they were definitely indie like yeah. i was correcting mistakes that they were making <laughs> just because of how how in-depth i studied it by watching it you know and I, I was a pretty bright kid so there was just stuff that I, I picked up you know that just other people didn't i think that's why i sometimes i have a hard time teaching people things okay because i never had to learn it i just had an instinct for it well, like, how when you have that instinct for for things, you, it's hard for you to, you know, relay that message because it just came to me naturally. How did that go over with those guys, a thirteen year old kid telling them they're doing something wrong? Uh, well, there was some that didn't like it, but the people that realized that I was correct, they just said, "Okay, well, we got us a little prodigy here," and they they appreciated <laughs> wow. it. But just like anything, you know, like being smarter than someone is a double edged sword. Sometimes, you know, I got invited to a collegiate program when I was eleven years old at the University of Missouri. And so when people hear that, you either got the people that instantly hate you, you know, right. or you got the people that think it's pretty cool, you know. But for the most part, people don't like it, so and they feel threatened or challenged by it. And you know, having a high IQ doesn't mean that you memorize the encyclopedias at all. It just means you think a little differently. That's really all it means, you know. Sure. And so uh, the, there were people that you know took it to their to their advantage. Like I was helping book this uh, company when I was about fourteen or fifteen. And we started like doing really good as far as a small independent company goes. And then uh, 16, I had my first match. And like I said, my only training had been going in there playing around with these guys. Yeah. And they didn't know half the, half the hell what they were doing. Like I would have to teach them what side to work. And, you know, you do a Oh, wow, side, really? You know? and, and I didn't even know why that was. I just knew that that's what I saw on TV. 
so Shane, you actually picked up on while Don't watching this at home, kids. while watching wrestling as a fan, you picked up on the fact that we always work on the left side. Yeah. Wow, I knew, man. I knew when you did it. And yeah, I just knew that when you did an arm drag, you did the arm drag with the left, and you hit toss with the right. I yeah. Know why? You know, I just knew that's what I was seeing. I I never. It had to be. It had to be uh, told to me. You know, and I Shane, I was. I would like to think I was just as as caught up and focused on wrestling as you, but I never caught on to that part. Wow, man, that's pretty damn impressive. <laughs> that's just like how brains work differently. Now, now, saying. Shane, Shane, when when you uh, first started wrestling and not being trained and all that, like, were you at least taught how to lock up, or did you figure that out yourself too? I knew how to lock out the first time I stepped in the ring. Like no. uh, Mike Dupp yeah. was my the guy we were talking about earlier. Him and another guy named David Coates, who, strangely enough, are, are my partners now in Omega, are running Omega. Yeah. They were the ones in the ring that I was hanging around at this independent show after. And they go, hey, kid, you want to get in? And I go, yeah. So, of course, I jumped in. Yeah. They go, you know how to lock up? And I go, yeah. And they go, you do? And I go, yeah. And he locked up, and I just knew how to do it. Like, just from that. The only thing I didn't know was the office because that was so subliminal that sure. you know so minute to see that it would be hard to pick that out. That was the only thing that really kind of blew my mind when somebody was uh, squeezing my wrist and I was going, "What the hell is this guy doing?" I'm pretty you know, sure I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people still don't know what you're talking about. In case, if you yeah, want to, if you want to explain it to them, right. Shane. Is that something we yeah, want to keep like to ourselves? You want somebody to reverse something, you give them a little iggy, you squeeze the wrist, you know, that, and it can mean a couple of different things. But I think that's generally what it means for the most, you know. Or you know, uh, I've I've had heels do it when they want me to fight back, just kind of squeeze me a little bit, and then you start fighting back. So it's just kind of a sometimes you know, a, a little communication. Sometimes when somebody gives you the office like that, you have to actually do some thinking as to what it is they're giving you the office about. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I've had to, I've, I've had to do that a couple of times, but maybe that was just me. Well, does it help, like, depending on who you're working with, you know, like what, what type of chain or like what things like if you're working with Dean Malenko and he gives you something like that, you're like, oh, okay, he's going to go into this or like sure. Owen and Bulldog kind of situation. Well, when we were start when we were starting the wrestling training, we were taught to go in and out of holds and you know without like you don't call like. You know, you don't call that stuff. Shane, when, were you able to do that with guys? Do the chain, you know, what chain, they call yeah. chain wrestling? Yeah. Wow, that's that's even yeah. more impressive. I got to tell you, like, for everyone listening at home, and Shane, I, hopefully you'll agree with me, like, the, the route you took is not something I would suggest to absolutely anyone else in wrestling <laughs> that wants to get into no, wrestling. Everyone all. else no needs problem. to be trained. There's like one of them, like Shane Helms's. They don't come along hardly ever. Just want to get that out of the way right now. Okay, back to you, Shane. <laughs> don't stop going to wrestling school. <laughs> oh, shit. And it, now, now too, it, it did create problems because, like, when uh when I would go to shows and it was always be guys like the two, like uh, my my first match was in 1991. Now there's no cruiserweight division. There's right. no Rey Mysterios. There's no Hardy Boys. There's my little tiny ass in North Carolina. I weigh about. Uh, well, in 1991, I was still in high school, and I wrestled 125 that year. And I graduated, yeah. I was about 130. So, um, so you're talking about a really small guy. And, you know, the bigger guys, they just they weren't about that about that, at that time. You know, they hated all the little guys. And, Sean, you know exactly what I, I'm talking about. Yeah, That's I have a pretty good idea. <laughs> yeah, that was right around the same time. I'm a little man here. Yeah. I, I had that said to my face. 
I'm not going to sell for little men here, but you know, I had an amateur background too. So that's uh, right. When, um, whenever like guys would try to get rough with me because, you know, when I told them I went to this school, like I would associate myself with this one company. It's like, yeah, but like, cause at that time I knew don't tell people you weren't trained cause it's going to make problems. Just go in there, show them what you can do. And, you know, eventually it'll all work out. Sure. But then you had, and, and, and it did, you know, but then like there were guys, like we were just saying, I'm not going to sell for little man here. And they got, they go in there and they try to get rough. And there wasn't a lot of uh, pro wrestlers that had any amateur background, not North Carolina back in those days. Right. And so it was actually kind of pretty easy because I would just dump them on the head a little bit, even being that small. And I was just a scrappy little bastard. You know, I wasn't about being bullied. Like I would fight back. And if you beat me up, then that's just what's going to have to happen. But, I was going to fight back, and you were going to have to beat me up. You know what I mean? Sure. I wasn't about getting pushed around too much. So um, in that regard, it kind of, like, hurt a little bit that guys were like, you know, this guy wasn't trained by nobody with any kind of credentials um, because I wouldn't come out and lie. I wouldn't say I was trained by so-and-so if I wasn't. I just say, well, you know, I trained with this little company, and they would know that there was nobody that in that company that was reputable. So um the thing, difficult scenarios, but. The, the thing about it is, Shane, is if if you have the if you have what it takes, and uh, like like you, it doesn't matter. You're gonna find a way to make it, and you're gonna find a way to be good at what you do. And um, you know, even the smallest amount of training or whatever, yeah, it's it's ideal to have a uh, to have great training. I was so lucky to have you know Dean Malenko's. Dean Malenko and his brother and, and his dad, you know, the great Malenko as teachers. I mean, you can't get any better than that. But not everybody, you know, is, is that fortunate. And, you know, Billy Gunn was telling me when I had him on that he really never was trained either. You know, another guy just uh, yeah. just it just dawned on me that I was talking to that really did well in, in the industry. So... It's interesting that Billy yeah, Gunn I mean, does and, a and lot when, of training, when, and Shane, you said that you find it difficult to train others because of the way that you just picked like it up, that. right? Yeah, it became it was difficult earlier. Like now, I've got a lot more patience. But like when I was younger and I was trying to help guys and stuff like that, and especially like in you know in WWE when all the guys would come up from developmental, we got to retrain them. You know, I would my patience wasn't very good, but and because to me it came so easy to me. Like, I didn't understand why they couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, and, and to sure. you, Sean, I guarantee you feel the same way. In WWE, like, it would always piss me off that there were people there that weren't good because I'm like, why do we hire these people that suck? Yeah. You know, it would drive me absolutely nuts, you know? Yeah. So my patience then was, was very thin. But, like, now uh, with helping younger guys and stuff like that, like, my patience is just a little bit more open. You know, just having that full understanding of what made me impatient before, was because, like I said, it came naturally to me. I didn't have to learn it just for whatever reason. I knew it. Yeah. You know, and now I understand that. And, uh, you know, it's just you know, ha- having a little more introspection into what makes me tick give, has given me a little bit more patience. What What do you think that you're, as far as mentoring younger guys, what do you think your strong, uh, strong points are as far as like, you know, I'm not the guy that uh, personally is going to teach you the holds. Let somebody else do that. Like, i like, Come to me after all, after you get all that shit figured out. You know, I'll be after that. <laughs> uh, my strong point, well, especially as an agent, you know, I'm an agent with TNA. Yeah. Uh, my strong point is that I've kind of, I've kind of done a little bit of everything. Yep. And um, and John, you're very similar in this. You know, you got over as a heel, you got over as a babyface, you got over as a wrestler. You know, uh, I, 
I don't know if you ever did a character character quite like the Hurricane was, but you definitely had different personalities. Personalities, yeah. You know, but like underdog really, and all those all those areas. Not only did I do, I got over in those areas too. So there's not many scenarios they can put me in or, or matches they're gonna that they're gonna give me that I haven't been there. Sure. And that's what to me, agents and even in WWE, they all seem to be lacking at some point. You know, like if you were a babyface, you would want Steamboat as your agent because he was one of the greatest of all time. Being a heel might not necessarily be his strength. Right. Now, if you were a heel, you want Arn Anderson as your agent because Arn can come up with some, you know, really tricky stuff as a heel. And like, and if, say if you needed a good spot, that's where you go to Malenko. You know, you got to find agents that, you know, uh, work to their strengths, you know, and, and but very few have done, have that really well-rounded career um, that I kind of was lucky to have. So that, that's kind of what my strength is, really just the experience of being in just about every situation you can imagine <laughs> in, in the business. So yeah, well, and it, kinda, as, you're, as you're saying that, it makes me think, you know, uh, about myself, and, and, and it sounds like... Uh, very similar in so many ways, Shane. You know, you start you started setting the ring up, right? First, yeah. And did you referee at all? Yes, sir. And uh, did you do any of the promoting and that uh, as well? I mean, you did the booking. Yeah, yeah. So promoting as far as uh, hanging up posters and doing as much you know radio and stuff as we could back in those days. So the thing is, is you've done every, pretty much every job there, like you know from the from the the bottom job all the way up. And so there's nothing like you're one of those guys that, you know, uh, if you, you, there's a, there's pretty much every, you can do everything is what I'm trying to say. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that means you don't, you don't have to be a slave to anybody. You, I mean, you know, and you can be put in any situation and that's how I learned, you know, and, and, and actually mm-hmm. Vince did that with, uh, with Shane and Steph. I mean, not. I mean, it was it was harder to do it with Steph, but you know, Vince made Shane. You know, care, obviously he's still Vince's son, but he made him as best he could. You know, start. You know, carrying the ring, doing all that grunt work and all that shit. So, but you know, it, you know, the only thing I didn't really do coming up, and I just got the opportunity in TNA was to be a manager. Oh yeah, and I, and that was the most awkward shit of all time. <laughs> I didn't know what to do out there. Like, you're like, do I just yell the whole time? Do I just sit here and like, you know, uh, have my fingers interlocked like I'm thinking and I'm formulating a plan? Uh-huh. You don't want to take away from the match. You know, you, you got to let the action speak. And when there's a law is when you want to kind of do your thing. But it's just because I had never done it, it was as awkward as anything I'd, I'd ever done, you know. For Trevor was, Lee? That was the... Uh, Being a manager for Trevor Lee? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was like, what do, what do I do out here? Do I just yell the whole time and, you know. Like, Rubbing your hands together <laughs> like you have a plan. That I remember that Paul Ellering used to do that a lot when he would stand there and not do anything. He'd have, have the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. He still does that today on NXT with the Office of Pain. I bet. I bet. It's, a, it's such an easy I go-to just, thing to do. So, Shane, do you... just sent Christy a, a picture of me refereeing with... Uh, Ricky and Robert, I, I was probably 16 here, maybe 15, but I know as a senior in high school, she gets it on her whatever number. Oh, oh yeah, this is cute. Um, we're going to facilitate this, and we're going to throw it up here in just a sec. I would, there's this also cute. That, That's what every pro wrestler wants to hear. This is cute. 
Hey, Shane, you know that picture that's... <laughs> when they see it, they'll know what I mean. That picture that's up of, of, of you and I, and uh, you're in the hurricane gimmick, and I'm in my green, and, and we're, we're matching perfectly. Do you remember that picture? Uh-huh. Do you remember, yeah. do you yeah. remember the match we had that night? I think it was the only time we were ever in a match together. Yeah. It was a, a four-way or a three-way or something like that, right? It, it was a tag match. Do you remember who our... Oh, was it a tag? Do you remember our opponent? The one, the one skiddy promoter. Yes, exactly. Remember what the remember what the people were chanting? Oh, is this meth or... Crystal meth. I did a, a show with him not too long after that, or it might have been before, and I called him a hairy toothpick. Oh, God. And the crowd started chanting that. And then uh, I said he looked like a toothpick with AIDS. Oh, God. And, like, it was about seven minutes of nonstop crowd chanting that, and we didn't even get to touch. So, well, he's a, he's, a good, he's a good little character. Right. But I don't want to be on a show or in a match with him. Um, <laughs> and, and the funny thing was is this guy insisted on wearing three layers of T-shirts in the ring with us. And so, so Shane backs the guy in the corner. And and pulls all three of his shirts up over his head and just smacks the shit out of him right in the chest. It was great. It was great. Uh, I never, you know, the guy like paid. We're not going to know he's skinny, you know. Right. You can't wear it like they do. We know you're skinny. Take that mm. shit off. Exactly. Or just don't get in the ring. You know, come on, man. Stay on the other side of the rail. But anyways, I got a kick out of that. It was it was it was one of those things. That I wasn't happy about at the time, but now I look back at it and laugh because, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I think it's crazy in all the years of you guys wrestling and like wrestling in the same companies, you've never had a singles match against each other. Right? Yeah. How that's, did that happen? Really not, not against each other. We were in a tag match in WWE right when, uh, and this, and I'll tell you why this memory stands out to me. Um, and I want to say it was like me and Billy Kidman against. Uh, Sean and Tajiri. Oh, and wow. I know it was Tajiri because I got put in the, and this is a house show, is when they're kind of like integrating uh, the WCW and WWF guys, you know, right. uh, matches together. And at one point, the referee had done something, made some kind of mistake or whatever. Uh-oh. And anyway, I'm over there in that tarantula, <laughs> you know, yeah. and all I can hear is you cussing his ass up and down. <laughs> <laughs> You lamb blasted his ass, and I just like I'm supposed to be selling this tarantula, and I just right. completely stopped. And I'm looking over there, going, "I'm glad this ain't me." I wonder what it was he did because Shane, I get like that when it comes to our job because man, I mean, we take that shit so seriously, you know. And and you know, you yeah. hate, you know, I get on myself when I fuck something up. So, um, you know, when we're we're out there working our ass up, and the referee's out of place or you know something, and uh, you know fucks up what we're doing, I get hot. Yeah, but in the back, you like right away, you you were calm. But like yeah. at that particular moment, you know, I, I can get like that too, man. I got that, you know. Uh, sometimes uh, I can get you know pretty mad, but like it, it goes away so quick. Like you know, just sure. minutes later, I don't even give a shit or can't even remember what it was about. That's a good thing you know? too, man. I mean, I'm not like it's yeah. man. We carry that shit around so much, and yeah, I I, I don't do that anymore. But yeah, I don't remember that, but I I remember. On a regular basis, chewing somebody out in the ring. So it, I, I know you're telling the truth. I know you're telling the truth. Luckily, luckily, it was never me. No, luckily for me, it was never you. <laughs> hey, Shane, so I was a fan of, and I wasn't a fan of a lot going on in WCW at the time, but I was a fan of Sugar Shane Holmes. 
Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I dug the yeah. name because I, I like like I thought Sugar Shane Mosley was a pretty cool name, and I was assuming maybe that kind of maybe you had heard you know him use that name, and I, I just thought it was cool, and I thought I, I thought it was really cool, Shane, that like you wore wrestling gear, like fucking short trunks, and you looked like a wrestler, not a big wrestler. You know, but a yeah. fucking professional wrestler, and you were. You were great. I think one. I was one of the first little guys to to bear the legs. Yeah. As, uh, you know that. Uh, yeah, you know that uh, that style I did is Sugar Shane, you know, and you're one of the guys that needs credit for that too, because that's the style that is the most over right now. Um, you know, and it's it's one of the things too that in TNA it kind of hurts our X division. Yeah. Because the X division isn't unique anymore because everybody's doing it. Yeah. So it's hard to define what that exhibition even is anymore. It's lost. It's lost its identity because it got over though. For the best of reasons, it lost its identity. But back in those Sugar Shane days, man, like just like how much I would study, like get, I would get tapes from Japan, get tapes from Europe, get tapes from uh, Mexico, and try to combine all of those different styles with that that American style, trying to create this hybrid thing. Yeah. And like. I don't think in, in my mind I was like trying to create this new thing. It was just like I like all the different styles. And I was like, why do we have to do just the one? Why can't we do a little bit of all of this? And, you know, I was just such a fan of wrestling in general that that's what made me incorporate all these things. I, w- I didn't yeah. have this master plan to try to create this new style at all. And but when I think about the guys that were doing it at that time, you're definitely one of the guys on the list. Uh, you know, whether it was Sugar Shane, you, uh, Jerry Lynn. Yep. Very uncredited for being one of those Amazing. guys that would try to you know, do a lot of new things, you know, and and add Billy Kidman to that. Like, yeah. you know, and without a doubt, you can even go back a little further and talk about Dynamite, how trendsetting he was, a Dynamite kid. But as far as for being the Americans that were doing that in, in America, you know, uh, me, you, Jerry, and Billy were kind of like the four horsemen, or the, you know, at least the Mount Rushmore of that particular style which apparently is the thing nowadays because that's what you see more than anything now so yeah. give yourself a lot of credit too man uh, I, you know what you, I, you deserve way more than you get oh i appreciate you saying that shane and i just assume that other people give me credit i'm not one for as you know as many things as people can say about me and most of them are true i'm not that guy that likes to do a lot of bragging so uh, I appreciate it when people like you say it though, because like the respect of our peers is is it's it's huge to me. It's as big as anything, you know. And uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's it's pretty. I agree. Really I, I still cool. get I get a lot from my peers. The only part that ever would I would lose it because of the fans was because the hurricane was such a comedy thing, and they don't realize how hard comedy is to do, especially yeah. in a violent scenario or simulated violence scenario as pro wrestling and to be consistently good at being funny is super damn hard. And for me to get that character over, I kind of had to wrestle down. I couldn't wrestle like Sugar Shane anymore. or And I couldn't wrestle like how I did as Gregory Helms after the heel turn because it didn't fit the character. Like, And I would, I would notice that at these house shows when I would go out there and have these matches where it's move for move for move and doing all this shit like the people yeah. just weren't as into it as much as when I did the what's up with that and poke somebody in the eye and then choke slam them then they would go crazy and I was like man so did you it bother so I kind of had to wrestle go ahead no I was going to say so did it bother you at, at first was it something that, that bothered you because you felt like you had to go out there and do all these things or you weren't earning your money or or giving the fans their money's worth or however however you want to put it yeah, there, there was definitely a, a transitional period where it, it was tough for me to, to, like I said, wrestle down. That was yeah. tough because I always felt I need to go out there and, you know, 
you got to steal the show. That's what we're taught, you know. But stealing the show can sometimes mess up a show. You know, if you got to steal the show in the third match and now you got six more matches, you can kind of mess the flow up of things. Sure. And I was a big fan of the show in its entirety, not just of one singular, singular segment or one singular match. Like, I'm a fan of what makes the show work as a whole. You know, and then looking back, at, at especially at the, the crew that we had in the WWF at the time, especially when, now that they had WCW too, I mean, we had some of the greatest wrestlers in the world. I mean, we had Kurt Angle. Yeah. You know, we had The Rock. We had Stone Cold. We had all of these people, but they didn't have a So I just had to come to terms with that. Like, okay, I can make this work, and this is going to make me stand out. I just got to suck it up and figure out how to make that work. And at that time, it was just... Don't go out there and do 10,000 moves because they don't want to see that from you. They're going to see that from these other guys. But you're the one that's going to make them laugh, and they're going to remember your ass when they go home. Yeah. Hey, hey Shane, when you first came to WWE from you know WCW when that whole thing happened, how did you find that experience of, of uh, assimilating into the WWE crew? Well, I knew, I knew some of the guys. You know, of course, I knew Matt and Jeff, and I had been backstage a couple times up there yeah. uh, visiting with them and um, that sort of thing. So I knew people and I didn't have any enemies. Uh, but actually when I had that little altercation with Buff Bagwell, yeah. that kind of endeared me to the whole WWE. Like they took my back because the locker rooms were segregated. Yes. Like you, you had WCW on one side and WWF on the other. After that Bagwell incident, my bags got moved to the WWF side. Sure. So like you... I was I was welcomed with open arms because of that. It just... I, I remember you telling me, well, I don't remember you telling I remember hearing about it from others and, and that, but there's, there are some people, believe it or not, uh, a few that aren't familiar with the story. Do you mind uh, going, you know, telling us the story? Pretending like yeah, I haven't I heard don't it mind. before. I mean, um, you know, Sorry. Buff still has a very, a very edited version of the story. That oh, I'm sure. what me and 20 other people in the, in the building saw. Uh, and I don't know why we, you know, we made up since then. So I don't know why he doesn't just kind of let it go. But um, we were at that tracks training center in Connecticut. Yes. Uh, to get to get used to the WWF ring because it was bigger than the WCW one. Uh, and the ropes and feel also, but the you know, ropes feel different. And the ropes. Yeah. Yeah, the ropes are really different. So um, they brought all the WCW guys up there, and one of the days, you know, during like a lunch break or something, everybody, you know, the boys are constantly busting each other's balls and. I'd actually got hurt that day working with Mike Awesome. Like I went to drop kick him and he like just with me and I came crashing down right on my shoulder. Mm. And so I was in the ring sitting on like with my back to the bottom rope, not in the turnbuckle, but just kind of in the middle with my back to the rope. And I had this little tiny 10 ounce plastic water bottle that I got out of the refrigerator. It wasn't frozen. There was no ice in it, which that, that story kind of got, you know, exaggerated a little right. bit. Just a little tiny bottle. And that's all I had that was cool. And I'm just sitting there rubbing it on my shoulder. And everybody's talking junk, junk to each other, you know. And for some reason, Buff decides to pick me out. Well, you know I'm a smart ass. You're right. You know, it's kind of one of my gifts. And so I start firing back on him, and I start winning the verbal battle. And he gets, like, offended by it and comes and slaps me in the ear. Like, he's, on, he's standing on the floor. Ooh. And I got my back to the bottom rope, so he's behind me. And just comes and hits me, like, from behind, like, in the ear. Like hard, I mean, he hit me hard as hell too now. And I was just like, just my reaction was, I threw that bottle, like at him, not like a fast pitch, it's yeah. just kind of how you throw something at somebody's face to distract them. And then I hopped out of the ring, and now, now we're going to go. But apparently, 
I threw that shit with some velocity or something because blood started shooting out every damn where. And, uh, <laughs> and he's doing the Ric Flair thing. He's like, no, no, no. That's what he shit, you know. Right. And I'm going, what in the hell? And so that that was kind of it. And it didn't really go anywhere sure. other than that. Um, and I, I'm, I glad it, I'm glad it didn't, you know I mean? Because who the hell really wants to see the, the boys fight? And it was it, unfortunate that it even went that far. Somebody can't, you know. Yeah, you never want to see it. you never want to see somebody really hurting, especially no the boys. Way. Like, even if you're entertained that they're going to fight, you don't want to see nobody have to go to the hospital. And even if the but, guy, uh, even if the guy's like your least favorite guy on the on the roster, like you, you know, he's still one of us, you know. So yeah, yeah, man. So, so what uh, would happen when you would run into uh, he, him he, after he, that? You said he never really uh, got over it. He wasn't there much longer. No, the next time I saw him. Uh, was I think in Atlanta and that's where he ended up getting released uh, and he came up and he goes damn sure he goes next time just you know hit me with a brick or something and I just I distinctly remember going there better not be a next time right oh. and it was just that really cold moment of like you know don't ever think you can touch me you know and JR you know I got called into the principal's office they wanted to know what happened but they'd already got the story from everybody that was there you know yeah. there were agents that were there so everybody had already given JR the exact same story I just told you you know, and, and I told you, I was like, listen, I, I'm, I apologize that it happened. I said, but I can never let anybody put their hands on me. Like, that will not happen. Um, I will fight back every time. So, uh, I don't think anybody. We, we, nobody has a problem with that. I can't imagine anyone having a problem with that, Shane. And, and, no, but, and Mark, um, Mark had a match with Booker T. That was their first, and, and, and Mark's last match, it was in Vancouver. And he, you know, he just for, for, and he's, I, I, I knew him to be better than that, but for some reason that night he just wasn't, he didn't have what, you know, he didn't have it, you know, and, and just, and then. No, and we, we both, we both know he was good. He was, man, he was tailor-made for, for the WWF. Sure. He, it should have worked out for him and it, and it just didn't. And that's one of the reasons I was really concerned when they called me into that office because Buff Bagwell was a, was a, was a much bigger star, you know, at that time than, yeah. than Sugar Shane was. So I was really worried about how this was going to go, but they didn't. It was kind of one of those things, you know, don't do it again, sort of shit. And uh, but yeah, after the uh, match with Bagwell, and I want to think that that was actually somewhere in Seattle. Are you sure it was Vancouver? It was up there in that neck of the woods. Um, but here, well, here's what happened. Here's how there was some kind of uh, not not necessarily revenge, but here's what was supposed to happen. The the because uh, you were the lightweight champion at the time, yeah. like heavyweight, right? I think now, so. It was always yeah. going to be you and Billy. Right. But Billy was going to beat me in Atlanta. I was supposed to be introduced in a couple matches against Chavo, introduce me as the cruiserweight champion. I was going to drop it to Billy in Atlanta because that's WCW territory. Uh-huh. Really established Billy as the because he was a much bigger star than, than Sugar Shane was at the time. So I understood that, you know. Um, but because of that Booker T. Bagwell match being so bad, they decided to hot shot the angle with me and Billy. So my debut match on WWE TV is actually me losing that cruiserweight title. Oh no! So shit. I never got introduced as yeah. So that first night that I come in, and this is when uh, this was when I was as worried as I you can you can be about your career. Because that day I find out that they're not going to let me be Shane, which I kind of had an idea that might happen, but yeah. I was Sugar Shane on all the house shows. Up, up until that point, so they hadn't said anything, so I was kind of hoping I could stay Sugar Shane. But that day they told me I couldn't be Shane, 
you know, so therefore I can't be sugar. Right. That was the gimmick. Well, I'm not going to have the girls with me because there was still talk that maybe I was going to, they were going to bring the nitro girls up because they were the sugar babies because they would come out with me. Um, and so they're worried about me doing the vertebraker. So I can't do the vertebraker. And my entrance music is the vertebraker. So now I can't use that either. And I'm going to drop the title that night. So I weighed about 30 pounds after that, you know, it's just like yeah. they took everything. And I was just like, Oh my goodness. But Stephanie was in. Stephanie was the one that told me all that, but she was very cool. And she was like, don't worry. It sounds like a lot. We like you. You're going to be fine. And so still when I do with, you know, Billy, still when I do and no matter what, I always feel you go out there and you bust your ass, no matter the scenario, you know, cause the fans deserve that. You know, you don't, carry any disagreements in the ring you know you still go out there and give them what you can and so we went out there and we, and, and we did it but you know I, I came out as gregory helms they wanted to call me hollywood helms and i didn't want to and i think it even still says hollywood on my titan tron oh wow and uh and i, I did and i didn't want to because i was like for two reasons if you hear me talk i think hollywood might be the last place you would expect me to be from <laughs> um that's true and also there was another guy who just had been called hollywood and he had some pretty big boots. Yeah. To feel. Yeah, he did. So he still like, does. Why in the hell would I want? Why would I want to do that? That sounds terrible. And so I came out just as Gregory Helms. But that night flying home, I was on the plane because it was a it red eye back, and I just wrote down every name I'd ever almost used or every name I had used. I had a bunch of stupid names on this list, and like, and I was a hurricane kid briefly. And when Kevin and Scott made it cool to use your real name, yeah. Shane Hurricane Helms was what I wanted to be just because it rhymed. No yeah. other reason. And so the next week at TV, uh, I get there early. You know, I'm out there waiting, you know, before anybody. So it, that's a message to the young guys. I got there early, and I went to Stephanie the second I saw her, and I said, like, what do you think about Hurricane Helms? And she goes, you don't want to be Gregory either, huh? And I go, no, not really. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and so she went to the production meeting, and uh when they came out a couple hours later, there was there was Vince, and he goes, "Hurricane Helms, I like it." And as you well know, you get the thumbs up from him; it's pretty much set in stone. So that's it. Yeah, yeah. Somehow they made Vince think it was his idea to call you Hurricane Helms. <laughs> so did you have the whole superhero character already planned when you pitched them the name, or is it just like a moniker for what you were already doing? No, that was just a, a moniker. It just rhymed. Uh, with Shane, and I thought Shane Hurricane Helms sounded good. Um, you know, I was, a, I was like I said, I was an amateur wrestler, man. My wrestling style back in those days, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be, you know, a, a Randy Savage, Ric Flair, Kurt Angle, you know, that type of stuff. But um, they had been looking for somebody. I think Brian Gerwitz had always wanted to do a superhero character. I was going to say, and, Brian, uh, Brian, I, you were kind of, you were a comic book fan, right? Yeah, yeah. And and Brian Gewertz was a huge comic book fan, so I mean it 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 makes total sense, you know that 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 would uh, end up being what happened. But uh, who came up with the who came up with the cowl? Who 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 designed the cowl? Uh, at first it was just makeup, and I tell you another funny event story because the first mask they got me was legitimately a Lone Ranger mask that you got from some cheap ass Halloween store. <laughs> They got and it came, they brought it to that day, and the outfit, too, is just it's black, all black with, like, a gold H on the front that's kind of, 
you know, italicized a little bit. Yeah. And there was a hurricane symbol on my butt that just kind of looked like a bullseye around my butthole. Around <laughs> your butthole. <laughs> yeah, just like, like this is where you want your foot to go or yeah. whatever. I don't know what. Or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just going to leave it at foot. But, um, and I went to Vince and I was like, I said, I don't know if this mask is going to work. Like, too, keep in mind, I'm still new. And you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, I know Squeaky Wheel gets the oil, but, you know, Squeaky Wheel can get thrown in the damn trash, right. too. can you just know? get replaced. Yeah, squeaky Wheel just, yeah, it can get replaced really quick. So I didn't, you know, uh, so he's like, you don't want to wear the mask? I was like, no, I just don't want to wear this one. Like, this is a piece of shit. It's going to fall <laughs> off in like 10 seconds. And Vince goes, and I think he appreciated the candle about that, too, in the, in the honesty. And I was like, you know, it's not going to work. And he goes, what about makeup? And this is the part that I remember the most. And I go, like the road warriors? He goes, like the ultimate warrior. Uh-huh. And I go, okay, him too. <laughs> you know, whatever. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, which, which, whatever warrior you want me to be like, is that what you mean? He goes, yeah. And so uh, Jan, the makeup lady, would do my makeup at TV. And I, I would have all these intricate, cute little patterns on my face. At the house shows, when I had to do the makeup, it would look like complete garbage. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I would just I'm have, like, big diamonds that. on my face. Oh. Yeah, it would just be terrible. And everybody, I would work really hard on it. And everybody that, you know, Lance Storm would be the worst. We'd lock up, and he'd smear my makeup all over my face because he knew I spent an hour trying to get it halfway decent. Yeah. And he would just mess it all up right away. People, but, um, people don't realize Lance. Makeup. Sorry, people don't realize Lance Storm's actually a pretty funny guy. Oh, he's very funny. Anyways. Yeah. The, um... But then, like, uh, in, in the meantime, uh, talking with Terry, who was uh, one of the seamstresses who's still there, she had a guy that did leather uh, mask and stuff. I don't know why, you know. I'm hoping it, it might be her job, but it might be a little side project. I don't know. But uh, I had to fly up there, and they uh, ended up making the mask for me. So. It's a pretty badass mask. Yeah, I mean, yeah we just had a yeah, picture of it up. The one I got now is even better. That one I had in WWE for all those years. Man, I couldn't even see down in that thing. Like, that's how that whole kind of silly hurricane wall developed yeah. where I'm kind of leaning over a little bit was because I couldn't see down. If you were, like, a foot from me and you went to shake my hand, I couldn't see it. I never knew that. Like, so it was, huh. Yeah, I was, it's a miracle I didn't kill myself. I was going to say, was it, ever a, like, well, was it ever a safety issue? Can you, can you ever remember a time where that was an issue in the ring? Yeah, when I would do springboards, and so I kind of stopped doing them in – WWE, yeah. like it just like I was, I would like have to like completely stare at the ropes, you know. And like when you do the springboard, as you well know, you're kind of holding the ropes and you know where it's at, but you're kind of focusing on the guy and you kind of got to divide your attention a little bit. Well, I would have to focus so much on the ropes, I would lose lose eyesight of where the guy was at, and it was just you know not, not to, a comfortable thing to do. Not to mention Shane, when you're trying to do a springboard in a WWE ring, the ropes are 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 a bit higher. For one thing, and they're a lot, they're not nearly as tight. So, uh, you know, there's a lot more room for error doing the springboard in a WWE ring uh, without a mask or without something obstructing your view. So, yeah, that's why you see a lot of guys do a cheat to right to the, close to yeah, the corner. That's what I always did. I never did it from the middle. Yeah. Never. So, and the yeah. first time I whiffed, I quit doing it. Because, you know, when you land on yeah. your ass or eat shit in front of 10,000 people, it makes you think twice about trying it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll make you, yeah. So eventually, I ended up with four moves. <laughs> yeah. 
I just started choke slamming people. That worked out a lot better for me anyway. So when you debuted as the Hurricane and you face Matt Hardy, you win the European title. What goes through your mind and like what are you thinking when that happens? And then you debut, or not you debut, but then you wrestle AJ Styles in his debut in the WWF. What happens there? That was a lot. I'm sorry. Um, Two questions. My bad. Damn it, Jimbo. <laughs> It's yeah, okay, Shane's smart. He can remember that both. was a part because I was a babyface when I worked AJ. So that there had to be a little bit of time there, uh, time difference. But, I mean, the thing that, you know, with doing that character, you know, there's a thin line with that character in between between being Batman and doing the clown. You know, so. Good way of putting I it. I knew that I, I would have to put a lot into it to make it work. And, you know, then by making me the European champion, that at least told me that they got faith in me, at least at this point, that I can do something. So that that part, you know, gave me a lot of confidence, you know. If you go out there with that character and you're just like this asshole loser all the time, it's just not going to work, you know, because my gimmick wasn't that I was a superhero. My gimmick was that I thought I was. Right. When I got in the ring, I didn't, I didn't have superpowers. I wasn't like shooting laser beams out of my eyes or had this massive amount of strength, but my gimmick was that I thought I was, and there had to be a reason I thought that. So, you know, you got to be able to win and, and you know, like that. So it's, for that particular character, you know, when people say that wins and losses don't matter, sometimes they do. They do. Sometimes they don't. But for a character like that, yes, they do. Because if not, why the hell would I keep doing this if when, it isn't working, you know? So. Shane, wins and losses don't matter is something somebody says when they're trying to get you to do a job. <laughs> yep. And I noticed that most people that say it are people that win all the time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or, I mean, or they're in control of their own shit, and they can they can win yeah. lose win. You know what I mean? So, it's yeah. it, when you have when you actually have a say so, it, it it makes a difference. So. But when yeah. you worked with AJ, how'd ma- you... the... go ahead. Well, you notice the match with AJ. Like I, I went, I like that's a, an enhancement match. You know, so it should be a majority of Hurricane doing all Hurricane stuff, but I liked AJ a lot. You know, I was trying to get him hired back then, so if you're, like, in that match, that's why, you know, you know, hit that shooting star, I'll just roll out of the way, you know, and yeah. let, 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 let's let them see what you can actually do, you know, so I, I tried really hard to get AJ hired at the time, but I think they low-balled him on some kind of offer and wanted him to move and do all this kind of shit, and, you know, at that time, too, the company was still a big man, it was still a big man company, so... Yeah. It just wasn't the right time. And, like, even if they did had hired him back then, it might not have worked out the way that it has now. So who's to say? And I know, like, you like me, Shane. Okay, a, an enhancement match doesn't mean that it can't be entertaining. And I always, I always, my philosophy on enhancement matches is, like, it's not just for me to go out there and squash this guy. I got to, and just get my shit in. I got to make it entertaining. You know, and mm-hmm. and to do that, you, I mean, you got to try to, even if the guy's not very talented, you got, I mean, have a move on something little, just any little thing that you can do. You know, not, not just, I just hate those, those enhancement matches where they're just wandering aimlessly through the match and just, you know, there's no build up to the finish and no flow to the match. Ugh, yuck. Especially if you got like seven or eight minutes. Yeah. Like if it's just an old school squash where you go out there and. And bing, bang, bam, and, and you go home. Like, that's one thing. But if you got seven, eight minutes, like, I would get bored with myself if I'm just beating up on a guy for seven, eight minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we sure. got to do something here. You know, we're, this is the entertainment 
and this is the entertainment industry. So if it's not entertaining, you know, we're, we're missing something. But, yeah. but I, too, when I would work with enhancement guys that I thought had a chance, like I never had a, a ego about, hey, you know, if this guy gets hired, it might be bad for me. I, I can me never neither. think like that, and yeah. I'm just not that type of person. Like I, I would try hard to get people hired. Yeah, I always figured there was enough pieces of the pie to go around. You know, mm-hmm. shit. Do you think working as an agent also has given you a better perspective on all that, the things that go on behind the scenes? Oh, yeah. I mean, because I know what's going through their minds. You know, I know what they're thinking because I've been there. And I know these guys that, you know, like tonight, you know, for whatever reason, isn't their night. They need to go out there and make this other guy look strong. I know how that makes you feel sometimes. Yeah. You know, because everybody, nobody, you know, if you're a kid and you like football, you want to be the quarterback. You know, nobody, I've never met anybody that said, I want to be the kicker. But that kicker wins games sometimes. Yeah. You know, there's been a lot of games been decided by that kicker. It's a very important part of the team. You know, so in the wrestling business, everybody wants to be the world champion, whether they say it or not. You want to be the main guy that the company focuses itself around. But that can really only happen to one person. And, you know, sometimes the, the roster could be filled with people that are just as a talented and can be that guy, but it's, they're not going to be because of timing or, or whatever. And so just, you know, trying to keep guys in a positive frame of mind, say, you know, listen, we know how good you are. You're here for a reason. Don't worry about it. Whereas, you know, I've had agents that was like, yeah, uh, he's going to whoop your ass. Go do it, uh, do it quick and just kind of like try to shit on you about things. Yep. Um, but I think that speaks more about who that agent is as a person than, than what, what the business is. Because sometimes you do got to play a role, you know, yeah. and, and that's fine. You know, but do it as best you can and make sure that that person knows that, you know, we know you're talented. We know what you can do. But tonight we don't need that. Yeah, we how, need this and let's get there some, at some other time. How about the guy like, you know, talking about like going along with what you're saying here. How about the guy like you watch him, you know, you're watching the monitor and he walks through the curtain and you can just look in his eyes and see that I'm doing a job look. Yeah. You oh, know? yeah. Yeah, I hate that. Come on, you yeah. know, I mean, yeah, somebody's got to do the job in every match, and if fucking everyone doing the job came out with that I'm doing the job look on their fucking face, we'd all, you know, nothing would be a surprise, that's for sure. <laughs> Simon Gotch did it last night on SmackDown Did Live. he? Oh, he man. absolutely did. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You're, well, this kind Was of it? goes along, uh, Simon Gotch, at the end of that, uh, or towards the end of the tag team turmoil. The vaude villains came out and they lasted just a few seconds. And, and you could tell and that. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't try to, you know, the, shake the legs or do anything. He really, you could just see it on his face. The boo boo face. Mm-hmm. That's what we used to call that. Yeah. Oh, the boo boo face. Poor guy. <laughs> but sometimes uh, I will say, sometimes I think that falls on creative too. Sure. So like you got to give this guy a reason to be happy because if you're getting your ass kicked all the time. Like, at, at some point, I think realistically, you would walk to, like, even in MMA, you see those guys that are MMA, and they know they're going to get fucked up. Well, I mean, beat up. I don't yeah. Know. Sorry about it's that. Okay. It's okay. Don't worry. It's all right. We do but that But you know here. they're going to get they're gonna get beat up, and you can see that look. So that falls on creative, too, you know, because, I mean, you take a guy like Zack Ryder who got super over yep. on his own, and then for whatever reason, at certain times, creative just stopped doing something with him. But he'd always come out all happy. I'll be like, why is this guy so happy? He gets beat up all the time. <laughs> That's yeah. true. You know, there needs to be needs to be something that happens. You know, a consequence. You know, and, and a reaction to how things are going in your career and life. And then you know, you get some wins, and now you're happy again. So, you know, I, I got to give creative a little. Uh, they need to not let that be an issue. Yeah. <laughs> like if a guy that. just sucks, why is he on the show? 
There should never be anybody on the show that just get beat up all the time. Well, we asked for um, some questions from our fans via Facebook, and we have one from Rick Warner that kind of ties into this. And he points out that the talent are quite different today than they were back in your heyday. So is it difficult for you to relate your experience to the talent of today? No, it shouldn't be. You know, I mean, because, you know, the story is still the same. Mm -hmm. You know, we're out there, there's going to be combat, you're going to have you know, traditionally a good guy and a bad guy, and you want to get the most out of a match and you want to tell a good story. So, you know, the ideology, I should say, is still the yes. same. You know, uh, talent's different as far as, like, the athleticism is a little higher, but I think that's the case in all sports. You know, I can't think of a sport where the athletes are just so much worse than they used to be. You know, um, the only thing close might be the heavyweight division in boxing in, boxing. in America. Yeah. Very good, yeah. but Yeah, it's good. But uh, that's the only thing. Uh, otherwise, you know, everybody's all the athletes. You know, if you watch the Olympics today compared to the Olympics, you know, from twenty even twenty years ago, like our athletes just destroy them. You know, and they, they and it, w- it wouldn't even be that difficult. You know, but um, so but what's missing is star power. That is missing. You know, that that charisma that only certain individuals have. You know, that's something that you can't teach, and you don't either have or you don't some people like if they have it they might can amp it up a little bit but you know i've seen people that i think have negative charisma yeah you know, that, they're like a vacuum that kind of suck the energy out yeah. of the crowd <laughs> uh, so the star power isn't as big as it used to be but and the athleticism is but the star power definitely isn't you watch all you watch all the shows huh chain you do a pretty yeah, good yeah. job of keeping up way better than i do i'll tell you that what are your thoughts on Lucha Underground? It's good, you know. I, I like I like the uh, the weird storytelling that they do. Like some of the backstage stuff, I actually like that a lot more than than what happens in the ring. Sometimes they do a lot of fantastic stuff in the ring. I hate that bouncy ass ring. Yeah, yeah. It just makes me it makes me go, okay, this, this is trampoline stuff. And when there's no danger of anybody getting hurt, you know, I mean, we know what pro wrestling is, but. That, that suspension of disbelief for me really goes away when I see them on a trampoline, you know. Um, and then they do some really cool stuff. Like I remember the first season, I think it was the first season or second, where Angelico ran and he dove off that thing that looked like it was 30 feet in the air and this big, beautiful dive. And, like, that would hurt you too. Yeah. Like, if you dove on another human being and you hit them in the head with your belly, that would hurt <laughs> you too. Well, look but how, nobody sells any damn thing, you know? Well, look how, look how RVD would sell his own frog splash. He'd hit the guy with the frog splash, yeah. and he'd, he'd start selling. It'd be nice if other people kind of, you know, took a page out of his book. <laughs> well, Shane, since you yeah, still that, keep, keep up so much with the product, we have another Facebook question from Jim Kelly. He said, what are your thoughts on WWE's cruiserweight division? And would you ever return to maybe compete in the cruiserweight division? We got that one a lot. Uh... The return one may be hard to answer because I'm not getting any younger. Um, <laughs> and like, and that's a division where athleticism has always been at an all-time high. You know, it's been, yes. You know, it's just very high. So it would depend. You know, uh, right now, uh, you know, I'm with TNA and I'm going to be with TNA for the, you know, foreseeable future. But um, I love that division. I love what I did with it, what guys like uh, Sean did for it. So uh, I definitely will be open to somehow going in there and helping them out again. Um, it, it, it's something that needs to be highlighted and left alone. You know, that division needs yeah. its own identity. And 
it's just like in MMA, you know, when, when Conor McGregor, when they, when they talk about his fights, they never emphasize that he's smaller than Cain Velasquez, or they never emphasize that he's smaller than John Jones. It's like never mentioned. He's the world champion. The That's only right. time they even hardly ever mention the division is when they announce the winner. You know, the weight class isn't a big issue in that. And when you talk about Floyd Mayweather, you talk about one of the greatest boxers of all time. How many people can even tell you what weight division he even fights at? Most That's can't. a really good point. You know, but like in resonates over. They, they just overemphasize that they're the smaller guys. Like, yeah, we know that. You don't have to keep saying yeah. that. We, we know the smaller guys. Let them do what they do. Let Create their own little universe within the universe and see what happens. So, I mean, with that 205 live show, uh, maybe they'll get the opportunity to uh, really focus on that. But you got to create characters, too. Like I was saying earlier about the star power. Like, if we don't know who you are, it's hard to get behind people when you don't know who they are as a person or as a character. Shane, um, I was wondering if you ever went through this at all. Was there ever a point when you were like, no, I don't want to be labeled a cruiserweight? Because I know, or, or a light heavyweight. I, I went through that, and I was like, no, I don't want that shit. I don't wrestle that style anymore. I wrestle a main event style. And I don't want to, and, and also, my deal was, is I never made any money with that fucking belt. You know? Compared to the money I made working with the bigger guys. So that made me want to you know want to not be labeled as a cruiserweight um that decision was kind of made for me you know because uh, when i was the cruiserweight champion uh, as the hurricane yeah you know they wanted me to do other things and so that decision that decision was kind of made for me and then when i had the big run as gregory helms like i was wrestling the United States champion. I was wrestling the world heavyweight champion. Exactly. I wrestled the world tag team champions. You know, I was always in these uh, scenarios that were outside of the division anyway. <clears throat> and I remember there was one match I had with The Undertaker when I came back and it was a standing ovation and Vince goes, we got to get that belt off you. Yeah. Just telling me that I'm bigger than the, than the division at that particular point. It's just a reminder. So that decision just, was kind of made for me. Yeah, when you have that belt, it reminds people that you're a small guy. Yeah. So that was my and problem. I got to cut that. promos, too. I was trying to cut promos, and I know there was one that I that I liked, but knowing how Vince is, they might not have liked it. But I was just like, you know, every heavyweight in the back better thank God I'm not 20 pounds heavier because I'd be coming after your ass, too. Sure. Like, And I was like, if they're going to constantly – because I was a bigger cruiserweight, you know, much like yourself was. Yeah. I know we had one match with Ray was the world heavyweight champion. And so I, we both made a point to do a face-off. Yeah. And so there I am with that little cruiserweight title. <laughs> there he is. He's a, you know, <laughs> much shorter than me. I weigh him by at least 35 pounds. Yeah. He's got the big gold belt. And we're kind of just like, this is, this is ridiculous. You know, yeah. that match right there almost was the death of the division, I think. Because it was just kind of redundant at that point. Well, you mentioned a little while ago that you plan on sticking with Impact Wrestling for a while. Can you give us an update on their future? Uh, well, I think all the uh, the legalities are kind of finally settled down, you know, so we can get back. I think over the past year, our show has been consistently more solid and more entertaining than anything out there. And I know every time I say that, it's like, oh, it's because you – you know, you were TNA, but, you know, I'll bash something when it's good or when it's bad. You know, well, I don't bash it when it's good, but I'll tell you when it's good and I'll tell sure. you when it's bad. And I watch everything, and I think we're the most unpredictable show, you know. 
other than the Goldberg Brock thing, which was to me, I loved me too, know, just for the unpredictability factor of it. I popped, you know, I about woke my woman up beside me. You know, <laughs> I love the unpredictability. Uh, I love um, not being able to predict every single match. You know, I love that. So I love what we're doing. Um, I think the best analogy I can come up with for TNA is that we're a restaurant that has new cooks. We've got a new kitchen. We've got a new menu. But people can't forget the E. coli breakout that we had a couple of years ago that killed about eight people. Yeah. Yeah. So we're constantly fighting the ghost of TNA's past. Well, so I don't know if we need to rebrand. I was going to say, Shane, uh, that's fine. I think that might be the best the best way to go with it, because I mean the talent yeah. is there, Shane. The talent is great, you know. Talent like the Hardys, and uh, actually, we have a question from Nikki Dix. She wants to know, Shane, have there been talks or plans of you feuding with the Hardys in TNA or joining them? She said, with history going back to Omega, it would be a good story, especially if Shane goes into the Lake of Reincarnation. Is that a possibility? She needs to watch Total Nonstop Deletion on December the fifteenth, oh. and I think she'll be pleasantly surprised. Oh, and that's nice. all I can say. Nice. little scoopage. Oh, that makes me excited. Yeah. Really? You yeah. can't uh, any more tidbits? I just I say that the water's pretty cold at this time of year in North Carolina. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's a pretty good tease, Shane. Thank you. Have you enjoyed shooting all this stuff on, like, the Hardy compound? And I know you were in, like, his Halloween videos, like, one of the trick-or-treaters. Like, do you really enjoy that? How do you know that was me? Oh. I had a similar hurricane mask. <laughs> um, yeah, I've enjoyed it all, man. I like the way, you know, even when we're at Orlando, and, uh, like, sometimes the crowds are just so burnt out, you know, that you can tell they're exhausted. But we shoot so many things out of sequence, and we'll shoot elements from certain, di- like, from, at the most, from four different shows we've shot in one day, different elements from different shows, including the pay-per-views and stuff like that. So it's really interesting the way it all comes together. Whereas, you know, with WWE and WCW, we shoot everything sequentially as it happens. Yeah. You know, everything's in order there. But there, everything's out of order. And sometimes that's to keep guys from having to work too much in one day. And sometimes, you know, because we let a lot of talent take independent bookings, too, that maybe they're not there on that Friday. So we got to wait to Saturday to shoot their segments. But it also helps us kind of keep everything away from the spoilers, you know. And, uh, and, and that's important. I, I don't know why people go and watch and go read spoilers. And then they act like, you know, well, I knew that was going to happen. Like, yeah, you read the spoilers, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> kinda, uh, you, did, you did that to yourself, you know what I mean? Um, they actually did something where they made a fake pay-per-view. And this was like my second or third uh, time down there with, with TNA. And there was this pay-per-view called Genesis where they would keep announcing matches. And it would be like segments. And I got my rough sheet, and none of this is on there. But, like, Borash would go out there. And I remember one time uh, Simon Diamond went out. He's cutting his promo on somebody. And there's going to be this special kind of grudge match at Genesis. And I'm going, when the hell is this? What did I miss? You know, I'm thinking I fell asleep in the agents meeting and it was just days and days in a row. But the whole thing was they were just having fun to see if it would get reported about this big pay-per-view that was never going to happen anyway. And I'm guessing it did get reported. Yeah, of course it did. There's a pay-per-view Genesis that was going to happen. And of course, and it was like just the most absurd matches of all time. And, it never happened. So, so there was never actually I, I wouldn't, there was never actually a Genesis pay per view at all. No. No <laughs> shit. I love that. See, because I no. remember a Genesis pay per view that never happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, it never was supposed was to never, apparently. 
<laughs> it was never going to. And that's that's too like when the when all the reports of the bad morale came out. Yeah. You know, I like Dave Meltzer. You know, I like what he does as far yeah. as examining the the business end of of the industry. But I'm on the artist end. You know. And you need both of those. You need people to handle the business, but you need you need the artists because we're the ones that got to go out there and make the shit happen at the end of the day. Right. And um, so, but they kept being these reports about bad morale. And I'm like, no, it's not. We're having a damn blast down there. Well, my sources tell me. I'm like, well, your sources can go eat a dick because yeah. I'm down there. I'm not a source. My name is Shane. I'm telling you exactly who I am. That should be all you need, not a nameless <laughs> source that's trying to get a push for whatever reason. Out of a newsletter, or, or or for whatever we, reason we've been they're having a blast. Yeah, for whatever reason they're they're pushing a certain agenda, and you know the information they're passing along, um, you know, is whatever it takes to you know fit the narrative they're trying to you know forward. But um, you know, I what are you going to do anyway? I mean, what what good is it going to do to sit and worry, Shane? You know. I mean, no. things are going to happen how they're going to happen, and you know, you do the best you can with what you have to work with. I, I, I just, you know, the whole morale thing, and I hated it. I hated this because I love all those guys, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm just, hey, look, I'm, I just hope that the, everything works out, you know, because obviously it goes without saying, that, and it's really cliche at this point, but the more places for everyone to work, the better. And uh, yeah, and you're right about the show. I'll tell you what's funny. I tell you what's funny, you're like this, because I, I was in WCW when it went down. Yeah. And so, um, so I remember those dying days and those dying months, and I so and I've had this talk with with some of the guys. Like, listen, don't worry about any of that shit, because I remember I had that talk with myself, because you would hear all these rumors, and you know the company would tell us all, everything in the world, trying to keep us, you know, our morale lifted or whatever, keep our spirits up, and half the time it's fucking nonsense. And I just like I can't worry about it. So I need to go and do what I do. And that's all I did worry about was yeah. what Sugar Shane was doing in the ring. I couldn't worry. I'm not in these meetings. You know, I'm not involved. I'm not a stockholder, not a shareholder, none of that shit. So all I am is Sugar Shane. So that's what I worry about. And so, you know, once I had that talk with some of those guys, you could see like, yeah, he's right. No, fuck it. We can't worry about that. Let's go do what we do. But the last set of tapings, right before we went down there, that's when all the rumors that the WWE was buying them out. Right. And that they're getting a library and all of that. And so the Sunday at Bound for Glory pay-per-view, we're going to have a talent meeting. And I was in that talent meeting in WCW when Shane McMahon walked in. And so now we got one down there with all these WWE rumors. I'm like, if Shane McMahon walks in this room again, <laughs> if I had to go through this year twice. <laughs> but, then, but then I was like, actually, it worked out for me pretty well last time. So I was I'm just going to say. Suggest- it usually does. It usually does for those that bring something to the table and have talent. As long as they're just not complete assholes to deal with, you know, things usually yeah. work out for guys with talent. I've noticed that. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. As long as you, like, like, as long as you're not just some raging asshole of a sure. human being. Um, and you got to get those guys out of there. I mean, you know, bad bad people in the locker room. I'm almost half convinced that's one of the reasons Vince kept me there for so long. I just made people laugh all the time. Uh, that, you know, I'm, I'm sure, sure that was the, part of the, it. I'm sure, but you know, you know, Vince, he's not going to keep around, a, a guy around just because he makes everyone laugh. You know, I mean, you make Shane. You were there because you were making him money. Yeah, yeah, you're one of the highest merchandise Yep. Oh God, right. Do you ever? Do you remember? Do you still get a merchandising uh, every every quarter from them? Yeah. 
and how about the how about the you know the rundown on, on what the breakdown is or what they get and what you get? Doesn't that just oh, make you? Brutal. Doesn't that just make you grin? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I'll have to show you I guys one day. Big, yes, please. The first big one I got after I popped, you know, uh, they sent me a uh, you know a big one, and I was like, I thought they made a mistake. I was like, there's no way, because that was like, it was about three times my WCW contract in its entirety. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. I was like, holy shit, what is this? And I was scared to cash it, you know, so I didn't cash it for like one day. And then the second day I said, that's it. I'm going to cash this thing. We'll see what happens. (laughs) But just thinking about what I made and, you know, it's, you know, well into the six figures and what they made, I only got a small percentage of what they made. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Like those masks, like those little hurricane masks, I sold like a million of those and it was 15 bucks a pop. And you get like a buck 50, maybe, maybe that's, that's it. That's a lot. (laughs) Maybe way less. Still a buck fifty times yeah. a million. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. So I mean, if you, probably not even close to a buck fifty if I think about it. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm but not I, going by your stuff. I'm going by like thinking about some of the stuff I, I look on mine and see, you know. And I'm just like, oh my mm-hmm. god, how do they even break it down into that small portioning, you know? Right. To oh, anyways, whatever. <laughs> Fuck. <sighs> Yeah, the DVDs I'm, with about fifty people on yeah. it. You're like, man, I wish there was only ten people on those DVDs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you said before, way too many ways. You've said before that you might have had a, like a world title reign had merch been factored in back then, right? Because this was before. Uh, maybe not with the Hurricane. I don't think the Hurricane was a guy that would win the world title. If I did, it would be something you know flukish you know, a pop pop of the night type thing and then get my ass to up the very next day. I don't think that character, you know, that character was comic relief and I was really good at that. So I, you know, I'm not knocking, knocking what that character was because I think that's really important. Uh, comic relief is a very important element in writing. And I think any good writer would tell you that, but I don't think that's the guy to, to be the face of the company to carry the brand. Gregory Helms could have, you know, my heel run with yeah. Gregory Helms and the work I was doing uh, him, him. Yes. I definitely could have, but not the hurricane. Well, you and Sean were both tag champs with Kane, which I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I like you. Uh, you won it from Landstorm and Christian with Kane, and Sean beat Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart with Kane to win the tag belts, which I thought was really cool. I wanted to know like any stories you guys have well, about tagging well, with Kane. That makes let me real quick just uh, butt in. Um, Shane, did when when you were teaming with Kane, did you have uh, any house show matches? Did you like were on the road with him as a team, or just a few times? Yeah, we went we went on the road a little bit. We never rode together. But but, uh, we, but we did, what I'm getting house show matches. What I'm getting at is it's not it's it, it's fun working with Kane and being a being his partner and his opponent. But it's definitely no fucking night off. Oh no! You're doing all the work. You damn right. You're the one getting thrown around. You're the one getting yeah. your ass kicked, and he's ma- and you're tagging him, and he comes in and blows the uh, comeback. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. It's like you go out with a girl, you pick her up, you wine her, you dine her, you take her back to the hotel. He walks in the room, steals the deal, and leaves. That's and it. You're just standing there. That's it. <laughs> yep. How hot yep. is the pyro in the ring when he sets it off? Because like just being a fan in the right. crowd, it is insane. I can't imagine standing in the ring or like, have there ever been like mishaps where like, oh shit, my hair caught on fire. I, I, I'll tell you a story. I was under the ring one time and it was one of those deals where I had to appear out of nowhere. So I was under the ring. They loaded me under there. 
and they just forgot to tell me that Kane was going to do pyro or whatever. And so I was underneath there, and when it went off on those poles, like it like blew my head apart. Like it was so loud, I could feel the concussion. Oh, the concussion uh, underneath. Yeah, I mean, it felt like I got punched in the head on all sides. Oh my god! You did. I was just down there, and like honestly, I, like I've never shoot been like knocked unconscious, but I there was a moment there where I was like, did, did, was I was I asleep? Like what just happened? Did I get knocked out? Shane. I didn't know where the hell I was at. You did. You, you, you described it as getting punched on all sides of your head at the same time. That's exactly what happened to you. You just got punched with sound waves. And, and literally, that's what happened. You got knocked the fuck out by a concussion. Uh, <laughs> An audio yeah. concussion. Yep. Wow. Wow, yep. man. And w- without, any, without any warning either. Like Maybe if there had been a warning, I could have done, covered my ears with my hands or, I mean, or something. But wow. no warning, just... Oh, I would have been it's so thunderous pissed. underneath there. Oh, were you mad? No, I, I mean, I came back and I was just, <laughs> you know, I was like, man, y'all got to tell me like that. And then nobody, it was just one of those things where it slipped everybody and you could see the, like the look of horror in their face. So like, oh my God, yeah, are, are you okay? And uh, like once they found out I was okay, then, you know, Michael Hayes, ha, 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 ha. Right. Funny. Yeah, but, but I'm sure it was a nervous, ha, ha, ha. Wasn't you know? Kind of, yeah. It was uh, yeah. There's like, are you okay? And I was like, I guess I just need to go sit down. You know, I I did whatever I was supposed to do segment wise, which I can't remember exactly what it was. But uh, well, usually we have a little amnesia. Usually we have a little amnesia when we have a concussion like that. I mean, you had a concussion. That's what happened from a concussion. Was your equilibrium (laughs) all messed up? Like, was your balance all off? And were you just like, well, were you in like a haze? Like, yeah, like. Why? I was I was just in a haze, and then I mean, then I had I didn't have to come out uh, from I didn't have to appear right away. Like I had some time to kind of gather my wits, and like that saved me. If I had to come out right after that, I don't know what the hell would happen. Wow. Wow. Well, Shane, we so appreciate you telling these stories and sharing all this with us today. We're going to make sure that all we tell all the fans to watch you on Impact Wrestling on December 15th or maybe. Is there anywhere else you're going to be popping up or anything else you want to promote to tell the fans about? Uh, as far as for wrestling, I, I've taken off to the whole rest of the year. You know, uh, Actually, I, I started that. We went to Iraq in uh, July, I think. So when I came back from that, you know, I did a seminar for Harley Race, and I was like, I'm gonna just take off for the rest of the year. I need to heal up, and I just bought a farm, so I'm trying to get, you know, prepare for the later stages in life after wrestling. But oh, wow. which hopefully won't be soon. But doing a, laying a lot of groundwork for that now, so I'm not doing anything. But uh, you know, still watch TNA on Thursday. I will be popping up before Total Nonstop Deletion. But the December 15th show is definitely the show that you don't want to miss if you're a fan at all of of uh. Shane Helms. Um, as far as keeping up with me, uh, at ShaneHelms.com is universal everything. That's my Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, even Facebook. And that's because my website is ShaneHelms.com. Um, I still I work with a podcast with Conan and Disco. Uh, Sean, if you haven't keeping done it there, man, we'd love to have you on there. Oh, one. keeping it at 100? Yeah, I'm on there every week. I'm on oh, a shit. little segment on there. Okay, yeah. yeah. I was talking to Conan the yeah. other day about coming on. Yeah. That, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Nice. All right, and and we'll probably be talking to facilitate that, Shane. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. good. Cool. But, uh, yeah, anything I do, I always post. I try to keep people well-informed about what I'm doing, so. Nice. Well, hey, Shane, I appreciate you coming on, man. I won't – 
you know, we could just keep on talking and talking and talking. I mean, is there is yeah. there anything that here's it? Okay, bef- before we go, is there anything that I've neglected to bring up that like when you uh, when you decided you want to come on that uh, you were hoping we talked about? Uh. No, I'm. I mean, I'm just so open minded about things. I just yeah. kind of like go with the flow. Like I, I right like on. everything. There's still a ton of other things we can talk about, but we can save sure. that for part two. That would yeah. be great, yeah, buddy. Yeah, that would be great because I, yeah. I really hope you. Uh, we didn't uh, touch uh, on the rock stuff. We, yeah, yeah, we got a whole lot to talk about still. So I mean, yeah, uh, it would be. I'm undefeated against the sexiest man alive. You know, that's hard to say. <laughs> what? Well, hey. And that in itself is pretty sexy. What happened with that? There you go. The rock. Yeah. I mean, like, the huge, it all started with the backstage segment, and it caught someone's eye, and it just got pushed. And So, hey, we, we just wrapped it up, but now I'm, I'm, putting, oh, the, I'm yeah. putting the fucking car into reverse here, because yeah. I, was in, I, was, I wasn't in a good place in my life at the time when that happened. So run that by me real quick. Well, Shane, do you want to tell them? Shit, I'm sorry, Shane. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no problem, man. It's a, it's a, good, it's a very good story for me. Um, it was just going to be one backstage skit. Uh, in Toronto, um, and uh, he was working a program with Booker T that was going to lead to uh, that was going to lead to Rock working Steve Austin at Mania. Right. And so um, I just bust up in his locker room, and we just had this really funny back and forth. Uh, you know, I tell him how Brandon Frazier beat the Scorpion King, and uh. you know, he tells me that Aquaman's <laughs> better than me. That's when he called me the Hamburglar. Right. And it was just one of those things where you know. When we were done walking down the hall, like when the boys get into something, that's always a good sign. Everybody's like, that was awesome. That was amazing. You know, and, and even after that show, Kevin Dunn came and found me. You know, never does this. Never did it before or since in my entire run there. It came to me as like, that's the funniest pre take we've ever done. Wow. And I was like, wow, okay, cool. You know? Wow, coming from so, Kevin um, Dunn. Nice. Yeah, he, like, I don't think he, I mean, he was never mean to me at all, but he never went out of his way. You know, he's seen. He's probably immune to wrestling. At, he doesn't. At this point he's life, not you know known. I mean? He's not known for heaping praise on anyone. Right. And uh, so late on that night, though, on the show, there's a, a battle royale. And um, when me and Rock, you know, finally started throwing punch because he was giving everybody the smackdown, and when yeah. he came to get it to me, I blocked it and started firing back on him. And you could just feel it in the crowd. Like they wanted it. They wanted to see it. And then he threw me out. And it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I mean, that went really well. Yeah. I hope they notice it. And I know you've been there before. Oh, yeah. Well, you've done something really good. And it's like, oh, they're going to have to run with this. And then they don't. But, you know, so I wasn't sure what they were, they were going to do anything with it ever again. But uh, the next thing you know, week after week, we're doing all these little segments together and just having fun. You know, I'm giving him lines to say against me. You know, because I know I'm the one getting a rub here. You know, the one sure. line where he took his phone out and said, hey, it's nothing. He says he knows you. Like, I gave him that. Um, there was just a couple, you know, a couple other ones. But uh, so finally, uh, we're going to face each other in Cleveland. And like that weekend, I had done a bunch of media days, you know, when they would do those media day things to oh, try to course. kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and so I left my uh, phone in the hotel room and I went down to get a drink. And as luck would have it, that's when. I got the call. So I came back, and there's a voicemail, and I'm like, shit, this is the one I missed? And it was Rock. He was telling me what was going to happen in Cleveland. It's going to be me and you, main event. You're going over. Have some ideas. Have your boots laced up. You know, that sort of shit. Yeah. And I and when it, and, you know, saying that was on voicemail, and of course, it's from an unknown number, so I can't even call him back. And I'm just like, 
is this real? Like, is this Jason sensation or yeah. somebody messing with me? Like, I <laughs> yeah. wasn't sure that this was even him. I was like, so when I get to TV, you know, I don't sell it. You know, I just go up and, hey, you know, talking to him. But when any people come up and they're talking to me, you know what you're doing tonight? And I go, no, not really. You know, I'm not selling anything just in case it is a big rib. Because, you know, the boys are mean with the ribs. And I'm not a river guy. I don't like that shit. But, um, but it ended up being, you know, a match and, you know, it was we had we went out there and did it. It's the only time we ever actually got to have a match together. But I told him that's because once I win, it's a no rematch clause. I was gonna say he never got he he never you never returned the favor. That's pretty shitty of you. <laughs> yeah, man, no, it's no, fucking no. bullshit. If you beat me first, then I get a rematch. If I win first, no rematch. Wow, I'd that's be damn. No, it was a it was beautiful, man. He did he it was and it was his idea. You know, he was the one that wanted to do it. You know, so. I think For whatever what, reason, it's not like we came up together. You know, I mean, we're buddies, of course, especially after that. But he wanted he to do it because character. he he wanted to do it, Shane, because he knew it was great shit. He knew from mm-hmm. he he was that. Type, I mean, he's always had had a clue. Always, I think he had a clue mm-hmm. about wrestling coming down the chute. Come, you know, when the Probably day he was so. born. You know, so yeah. Wow, I, I'm embarrassed that I didn't know that happened. I think the coolest thing yeah. from this whole feud I heard you tell, I think it was on Jericho's podcast, where they were like trying to do another pre-tape for you, and Rock kept messing up the lines, and he gave you a wink yeah. like, this is so we could do it live on the air, and they can't uh, cut yeah. us off. Yeah. They're just going to have to let us go. And is that the one where you're like, you're in his locker, and he opens it, and then he closes it, and you appear on the other side, and the whole like, oh, nothing called yeah. Was that that promo? Yeah, well, I jumped, like I'd been hiding in there the whole time, yeah. Because yeah. I was just going to fly in there. Like normal, I was just going to fly into the scene. I saw those little lockers. I was like, hey, what if I'm hiding in there? Yeah. And then we all just popped. But like what he's saying, Sean, is like when we were, that one was going to be pre-taped. Yeah. The other one had, the other ones had been live. And he keeps kind of flubbing his lines a little bit, which he never did before. Yeah. You know. And I was like, man, he's never really done this before. And then one time he just turns and gives me that little wink. And I was like, oh, all right. He's doing it so we, because now the clock's ticking. Like, if you guys, if we don't get it in this take, we're going to have to do it live. And then he gave me that wink, and I was like, oh, okay. Here we go. Shane, when is it? Ne- it, it turned from a two minute segment to like a seven minute segment. Oh, great. But when is it? When is it? At, it's always better live. I've never been, I've never yeah. done a segment like that didn't turn out better live. It just for him, it's for him especially because the crowd would chant so much. Like yeah. backstage segments, like I, I can honestly say, there's been some I pre-taped that were would could have been just as better. I mean, were just as good pre-taped than they were live because I didn't have to rely on any interaction from the crowd. But because the crowd would start, you know, Rocky sucks or whatever they would chant, and he would react to it. Like for him specifically, I think it's just better live all the time. And he's going to go long. You're just going to have to accept that. That's right. So is there like a feed, yeah. a feed that you guys can watch while you're doing those promos? Because he'll always reference like he could hear the crowd's reaction as it's happening. No, you, you can just, just hear it. You can just hear it from like where you are. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, in, the back. Yeah. in the back. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can yeah. hear it for sure. Oh, okay. Because I always wondered that. Cause like, how it would be like Rocky doesn't yeah. suck, and everyone's like keeps chanting louder. I'm like, how does he hear that? No, you can actually hear it. They have a speak. They have like a speak. You oh, can hear yeah. it through the system. And like sometimes you can hear it, you know, Just from because the crowd it's itself. that loud. Wow. So. Yeah. One, one of the most indirect compliments I ever got was coming back from a, a match with Shelton Benjamin. It's like one of those matches where we just really clicked and we had him and they were really behind me. And I came back. Stephanie goes, well, thanks a lot. You kept busting my pre-tape. 
Yeah. What'd I do? Like, I honestly wasn't in a, didn't know what she was talking about. She goes, yeah, you were pretty over tonight. You kept busting it. And she kind of gave me that thumbs up. I was like, oh, good. Fuck oh. <laughs> every day. It's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, cool. so Christy, do you want to try to wrap this thing up and take it home again? <laughs> I'm going to try one more time to uh-huh. shut you boys down. Oh, <laughs> uh, Shane, thank you again. And we definitely, apparently, we have plenty of uh, juice for a part two. So we'll, we'll be hitting you up again soon. Thank you so much, good. Shane. Sounds hey, great to me. Thank my, you guys for my, everything. My love to Sebastian. And uh, thank you Actually. so much, man. And I, I hope to see you again soon, man. And uh, if not, we'll definitely... Uh, try to get you back on here if you can spare the time oh man i'll make time for you guys man i appreciate everything you've done man thank you so much Shane. massive respect oh man and the feelings mutual my friend have a great day bro all right you too buddy thanks shane bye-bye cool oh wow that was awesome and we are going to be right back with a little more xbox one two three sixty Hey guys, Maria Menunos here. We want to let you know about my new show on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109. It's called Conversations with Maria, and it's live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go to conversationswithmaria.com for more info. Buzz you later. Welcome back to Xbox 12360. We just chatted with Shane, the Hurricane Helms. Yes. And man, I, I was most interested in the what you were saying about the merchandise and the breakdown and the, you know, I'm nosy like that. I like that stuff. <laughs> you know, sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes I, I just, I, I don't know, or, or let me just rephrase that. Some things that just seem trivial to me and no big deal are the things that like, you yeah. guys <laughs> want to know more really about. want to know about. Right. You know, and that's funny to me. It's just, a, you know, I mean, but it is it is kind of uh, fascinating to look through one of those if you've never seen it before. Yeah, I'm going to hold yeah. you to that showing us one. I will. Oh, well, I might have one with me, actually. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> He's carrying his receipts around, yeah. y'all. Uh, well, I'm glad that we got that little uh, tidbit in with The Rock as well at the end there. You know, sure. Always more to talk about with I figured guys. that would have been like a huge thing in the comments. Like, why didn't you guys talk about The Rock? Yeah, so, uh, like it was cool to mention it and that he wanted to talk about it. I can't believe like you were like, no, what? What are we talking about? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Try to remember that there was a dark period in, uh, in my life for a few years, and it was right around that time. Okay. So that I think sense. wrestling was something that I wasn't paying that attention sense. to. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why we're here. <laughs> and we do also get a lot of positive feedback from the fans, not just what we don't ask. And we love to hear from all of you, and you guys can always keep up with me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Christy Reports. And please also follow the show on Instagram at xpoc12360. I just gave Sean access to that, so he's going to be posting yes. some stuff there. It's about to get really good. And give us a like at facebook.com slash xpoc12360show. There's a lot of links. That's where you can post your questions for next week's guest, Bob Holly. And where can they follow you at, Jimbo? You can follow me on Twitter at Jimbo in the Booth. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving, so I wanted to take this time to give some thanks to Kevin and Maria for allowing us here at AfterBuzz to follow our dreams and giving us the opportunities to do so. I want to thank all the fans and listeners that support the Xbox 12360 podcast, among all the other podcasts and shows at AfterBuzz. Thank you for your tweets and your questions and always being involved with the show. Thanks to all the staff here at AfterBuzz that do everything behind the scenes. The 
Phil's, Marissa's, Steven's, Brianna's, and all of them. Big thanks to Mark in the booth for handling all our wrestling stuff behind the scenes. I love you guys. Huge thanks to Christy for staying yes. up late and doing lots of research and always making sure she pulls quotes and works very hard on this show among all her other shows. And thank you to Sean for giving me the chance as a fan to have this opportunity to become your friend. I'm truly grateful and thankful. Cool. I really appreciate it. Wow. Wow. I told you at the beginning Hell, we were going to give you compliments. I, how do I? <laughs> well, I was going to say exactly what Jimbo just said. I was going to thank everybody in that order and all that. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> uh, no, uh, I ditto to everything you just said except for the part where I thank myself. <laughs> thank you both so much. And thank you, Mark, and the booth. Um, this has so far been an amazing experience for me. I'm having a great time doing this. I hope you all are, too. Very, very much so. And I hope everyone um, is having a good time listening and watching at home. Appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Love you all. And we can't wait to do it again next week, so we'll see you then. Bye-bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Phil Svitek, Kevin Undergaro, show producer Jimbo Frank, managing editor of AfterBuzz Wrestling, Christy Olsen, and managing producer of AfterBuzz Wrestling, Mark Bidonica, and the entire Xbox 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Feel free to like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube, follow Xbox on Twitter at TheRealXpoc, and email us at xpoc12360show at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the AfterBuzz TV network. Buzz you later!